I'm trying to elevate small talk to medium talk. Hi, I'm Alexander Chester. And uh, don't scream at me. I'm not going to be intimidated by a bunch of podcasters. Av Sinensky and Alex, are you a Jew perchance? My name is Dan Jablons. I played Hiram Katz in tonight's episode, and uh, I'm the real deal. <laughs> and he certainly he, is. Yeah. Here he, in the flesh. He really is. We have uh, Hiram Katz, uh, the real deal, here with us today, Dan Jablons. Welcome back to Pretty, Pretty, Pretty Good, a Curb Your Enthusiasm podcast. We are here today to discuss season eight, episode one, The Divorce, which originally aired on July 10th. 2011 uh it was a long two years uh between season seven and eight of curb it's been a long uh, three weeks on this podcast op since we discussed an actual episode of curb in sequential order that's right um most recently of course you've heard our two bonus episodes on the seinfeld reunion as an episode of seinfeld and a little bit as an episode of curb and we've also uh just posted our episode bonus episode on uh the themes of like jewishness and Jewish ritual in uh curb your enthusiasm and of course you heard that with our two special guests and which brings us right into this episode we have yeah. another you know straight <laughs> out of the out of the frying pan to the fire um what are the most jewish episodes of curb there is i mean yeah what uh what a what you know rollicking start to season one yeah uh, dan you Sorry, have to, a uh, to episode one of season eight Sorry. yeah dan you have a like a long track record of playing um, in movies and TV shows, lawyers and doctors and Jews, I think is what I'm saying here. <laughs> so is it safe us- to say Jews? Actually, yeah. <laughs> um, there's a YouTube link to this, the, the scene where I actually, you know, my buffet scene that we'll get to. People debated if whether or not Hiram Katz was the most Jewish name they've ever heard in their lives. Mm. So, um, you know, it, it's up there. That's yeah. for sure. But I, I'm certainly not going to be, sometimes I, I get sent these things to, to read for, to audition for, and it's like, you know, Father Mulligan. And I'm like, yeah, it's not going to be me. <laughs> yeah, that's not, that's not going to be a match. I, I don't think I need to spend a lot of time auditioning for that one. I don't yeah. think. Well, I mean, maybe you could do like a, uh, a voice role for an animated Father Mulligan. <laughs> yeah, I could maybe pull that off. And be like, uh, you know what? That guy that's supposed to be doing the Flintstones, he sounds awful Jewish to me. You yeah, know, so. yeah. You might not be able to pass. That's true. Might not be able to pull it off. We'll see. So yeah. let's talk about how you got cast well, on the show in the first place. Me. Like all actors, you know, you get these things about what they're looking for, and they were looking for, um, they, I knew it was Curb, and I knew they were looking for a guy who looked Jewish who could, uh, and could improvise. And I'd been doing improv for a long time. I started in New York in the, in the 80s and, uh, with the National Improv Theater. So I thought, if I get this, I'm going to go get my accounting degree, because like, seriously, I mean, you know, I'm a you know, really Jewish looking guy and I can improvise. And so when I went to the audition, the audition actually was with Larry and Jeff and the whole cast was there. Oh, wow. That's fun. For a so floor, it was intimidating. It was pretty crazy. And so they just said, well, we're just going to impro- improvise and stuff like that. And I was lucky enough to have made Larry laugh in, oh, the, in the audition. All right. Well, so, all right. He laughed. And I actually had the courage to shake his hand. I actually shook his hand. Thing. And I think he was surprised by that. Do you remember the line in the first audition that made that cracked LD or what you so, did? It's all about having to be at a buffet. And I and you know, Jeff comes in and gives him a hard time about stuff. And I say, you can't, I, I forget what I said about the, why he couldn't uh, pick on Larry about the buffet. And then Jeff left in and I turned to him and I said, 
none of my said applies to the dessert cart. So don't do that there. Uh, and, it's a and, separate, it's a, su- it's a yeah. subsection of the statute. That's a whole, that's a whole other section yeah. of law. And, after, and, then, and then you go. And Why then, did that then, get so in the show? Said, that's great. Said, <laughs> We're going to we'll get into some of, the, uh, some of the legal advice that you've been uh, yes. dropping. And, and to this, I mean, it's 10 years later. And I still sometimes in a restaurant, someone will come to me and say, hey, weren't you Hiram Katz? So it's amazing to me how much, you know, the show has that kind of legs, you know? Yeah, I saw there's even on Facebook, there's a Hiram Katz fan page. That, yes, yes. Made by a guy I've never met. He's in Minnesota. And somehow my character oh. resonated with him. Chester, he, is, this, is it you? No, it's yeah, not me. It's, Chester's it's, from Minnesota. Yeah. It's not me. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, it's a guy named Aaron. And, uh, and he's a great artist, by the way. All the artwork you'll see on that page is stuff that he's done. He's doing, he does a lot of art. But my yeah. character somehow resonated with him and he decided to make a page. I was amazed. So there it is. <laughs> well, I yeah, think especially really cool. on, on Curb, when you play even just like a one episode character, but it becomes an iconic character, it, it really carries forward for people. I mean, I remember for me, this is the, I vividly remember the excitement surrounding the return of Curb in season eight after like two years. I was living in the Bronx and none of my friends in like my immediate neighborhood had HBO and streaming wasn't really a thing back then like it is today. So I ended up going all the way into, into Manhattan, into the city to watch the episode at a friend of mine's house because like I couldn't wait like until it got posted online later that night. Like I needed to see it live. And I have to be honest, like in 2011, when I first saw this episode and the Hiram Katz character comes on, I thought for a second, I'm like, that reminds me of Avsonensky. And so... A decade later, <laughs> that I'm recording a podcast with Obstinacy about Curb, and then I'm recording a podcast with Obstinacy and the person who played Hiram Cats is like blowing my mind. So <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah, I had a feeling you were going to make that claim because there's um there was that guy from ESPN that you you always used to say looks like me. I don't remember his name. Yeah, the Andy, Andy Katz. Andy Katz. Andy yeah, Katz. Yeah, the college uh, basketball. Yeah, and, and he kind of has a similar look to. Uh, to Dan as well. Um, I mean, it's curly yeah. hair Jew. Um, let's be honest. <laughs> yep. So uh, yeah, you wouldn't believe it, but but up until my bar mitzvah, I had like yellow blonde straight hair. Oh wow! I also I also had blonde hair when I was like very young, but that went away when I was like three or four. It would have been harder to get uh, the role of Hiram Katz. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, that's uh, yeah, that's a once in a lifetime opportunity. That's for sure. Um, yeah. So um, this episode, season eight, episode one. Um, this is a uh, notable curve episode in that it is the first episode in which Larry David shared his story writing credit in a show's history, and the story was credited to to Larry along with Alec Berg, David Mandel, and the great Jeff Schiffer, who joined us a couple of weeks ago. So yeah, like we saw, they really got involved in season seven, and now like in season eight, nine, ten, and on, they really become a core part of you know Larry's team over at Curb, and like really are all doing the show together. So um, it's kind of like a turning point in the you know history of the show. So exciting to. Uh, look at that you know those that section of the show with uh fresh eyes um, so yeah so let's uh let's jump into it season eight episode one the divorce last episode of Curb that we saw, season 10, episode 10, the Spite Store also begins with a cold open. But I think those are the only two episodes in Curb history that start not with the uh, the Curb uh, the Curb music. The, but, it's, the but it's not just that it's a cold open, right? It's that it's it's a replay of the final yes. scene of the previous season, which is like very unusual for Curb. 
but I think also it establishes like how long it had been like, cause it had been off there for two years and how like it was critical for curb to remind viewers of where we left off two years earlier. And then the scene continues and answers the question that I asked Jeff Schaefer, right? I said like, what are we meant to think happens between LD and Cheryl after he gets the phone call and calls Julia. And, you know, they very clearly literally answer that directly. Yeah, like we just get like it's uh, it's actually it's like a very much like when Lost came back and did like many episodes later like the continuation of we have to go back. It's like you finally got to see like the continuation of that scene. So here too, it's like we kind of like really just like jump right where we left off. Like we start in the middle and then we get that like extra like forty second kicker on the end of her storming out for good. So yeah, it's a really uh, it's an interesting way to do it, and I thought it was really effective. Dan, uh, can I ask you? I don't know if you know the answer to this question, but. Did they film that scene like when they were filming like the, the rest of this episode or was that a scene that had actually been filmed for the finale of the previous season, including like the extra bit and it just, they just aired it now? Or do you not know that necessarily? I, I don't know. They, they um, you know, the thing about Curb, which you guys probably already know, but, but um, you know, the, it's a very secretive show and you can't know a right. lot before you go there, right? Like all I knew going into it was that I was playing a lawyer. I didn't know that. And, and I, you know, there's, you guys must don't know the stories about how like Richard Lewis was like forever trying to get copies of scripts, you know, that whole thing. Oh no, that's awesome. Tell us about that. Okay. So, so um, he was forever trying to get copies of scripts so he could think of funny things to say because he didn't want to have to improvise. Okay. So he was constantly like, you know, uh, you know, trying to get scripts and trying to convince other people and everybody else knew they were hired. It was like, there was not even a moment of like, you know, discussion. So, so uh, he was constantly trying to get a copy of the script so he could see what was going on. So That's even awesome. the day that I went to shoot, I only knew that I was playing a lawyer. I did not know what my scene was going to be. I did not know what I was going to do or not do. I mean, none of it. Wow. So I'm, I don't think that, you know, so, so I can't, I didn't know anything about it. I just thought I was shooting that day, but, but I don't think, I have a feeling that that shot earlier and then edited it in. Uh, so we jump one year later into the future and we are in a lawyer's office of the uh, matrimonial variety. And we have Andrew Berg played by, of course, Paul F. Tompkins telling Larry that the deal that he's gotten for him is not only the best deal that he's going to get for Larry. It's the best deal that anybody will get for anybody, which to me sounds like a very good deal. Like that's oh. you know the best deal that anyone will get for anybody is yeah. a very good deal. Yeah. Um, I have to be honest. Like I, I had... Until like a month ago, I had never realized that this was Paul F. Tompkins. I don't know if it's because he has no mustache here or what. Like, it's hard for me to imagine how I didn't know that because now I see it and I only see him. Right. When I first saw this and like for several years thereafter, I didn't even realize that's who was in this, this, uh, this episode. Yep, that's him uh, playing Andrew Berg. Great John Hausman name. Um, yeah, and we learn the the details of the deal are as follows. Larry keeps the house and all of his property. So actually, <laughs> that does sound like a very good deal that uh, Andrew Burke has obtained for Larry. That sounds like the maximum best possible deal. Yeah. Um, and Larry's like, you know, well, you know, I also want to seem like a good guy, but of course, without actually being a good guy. <laughs> And Berg is like, listen, the deal that I'm getting for you, it's like a Dutch apple pie. Larry, you're getting the filling, the real meat of the pie. Cheryl's getting like the top of the pie that looks nice, but like there's no substance there. Mm -hmm. um, Alex, will uh, Dutch apple pie be mm -hmm. one of the entries in the pie tournament? So what's what is the Dutch um, adjective? How does that change the apple pie? Is it a type of apple pie I'm not familiar with? Is it just an apple pie? From, I don't know if in the Netherlands they're known for making good apple pies. I thought that was an American thing. What a Dutch apple pie. 
Yeah, I should have researched this. Let's see oh. what it says. Wasn't going to have a bunch of on sweet corn topping. Or is that has to do with it has specialty? Yeah, it has to do with like what type of like dough you use. Dan, are you familiar with the Dutch apple pie? I thought it was going to be in a Dutch oven. So, you know, uh, clearly I'm, I'm behind on the apple pie thing. Yeah. So go. Dutch apple pie is typically covered in a sweet crumb topping or covered in a lattice. And a French apple pie comes in several variations made with an egg-based cookie-like pastry dough, a puff pastry dough, or a crumb topping. So I don't know. That sounds the same to me. They both sound delicious. Yeah, yeah I don't think, you know. You yeah, have to be good I, to know the Which there, is right? your favorite part of the pie, though? I think, you know, Larry brings up a good point here to his attorney. Dan, which is your yeah, favorite he, part? My favorite part of the pie, I, I would, you know, I'm not a big fan of the hot apple part, so I think I'm going to go with the Dutch crust there. I mm. think the more I think about it, mm. you know, I'll convincing that. you. What about you, Yeah, yeah I mean, the food is, is pie. The pie is the is the crust. Like the filling yeah. is like that's like the interchangeable part of like, oh, you can have an apple pie or a you know cranberry pie or a pumpkin pie, but the food is pie. It's the it's the crust and the and the and the topping. That's the food. So that's yeah, the pumpkin pie. By the way, isn't the, isn't the apple part? Isn't the apple part sometimes like molten lava? I mean, it's so like you know blisteringly hot sometimes. That's why that you need a scoop of ice cream, vanilla ice cream on the side, exactly, which will then yeah. turn to. Vanilla milk in two seconds if it's too yeah, hot. Yeah, but no, it all it yeah, but the combination it all it works together. Yeah, it works. it works. I agree. I agree. <laughs> Team Chester. Um, so yeah, so Larry's like, yeah, I want them. So you, do we? So do we think that, or do any of you are interested in opening up a pie store called Top of the Pie to you, where we sell only the tops of the pies and the and the crusts? <laughs> It'll do well for uh, in the David household. That's and right, the, and the Jeff yes. household. Yeah. Yes, but yes, yes. Very strong. We'll be big. Those we'll be buyers. All right. So all right. We'll uh, we'll send around an email for investors later. Um, so oh, yeah, so. I, I, I don't know how I forgot to mention this in our Seinfeld chat, but um, we, we were eating um, over last weekend. We were eating cupcakes and my son removed the bottom of the cupcake and said, I don't want to eat the tushy. Very, very. <laughs> I don't know how nice. I, I don't know how I felt to bring this up. This is uh, straight out of Seinfeld. Yeah, yeah, uh, that's great. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so uh, Berg uh, flips the script and says, "Yeah, okay." So Cheryl's getting the you know the terrible filling. You're getting the razzle dazzle, crumbly deliciousness uh, from up top, and you know you're getting a great deal. You should sign. Cheryl and her lawyer are coming over, and you know you know maybe you should stick around. But like, no, he wants to go. Uh, Larry then comments that. By the way, why is the lawyer encouraging him to stick around? I wasn't. Yeah, sure I was. I was wondering that too. I yeah, I don't. That's think the only piece of questionable legal advice in the episode. <laughs> yeah maybe uh, he maybe he wanted the scene to play a little longer yeah yeah that's gonna be yeah like what good like what good is coming of like larry larry david's presence in that office could yeah. only you know hurt his chances mm. in the, yeah in the so maybe family. maybe it's actually paul f tompkins uh you know in, improv trying to yeah, extend the scene could be yeah um so larry is like hey i'm really like your desk you know you have this great spacious area underneath it's probably a great desk to get blowjobs underneath yeah and berg is like listen you know i didn't buy it for that reason but it has turned out to be a happy accident yeah. um and this is this is great like larry legit laughs out loud at this like he was not expecting that you could tell like this is one of those where like he breaks yeah um this is uh reminiscent of uh the george in the in the map where well he, yeah uh, he uses it for very different purposes well, you know, possibly blowjobs. We know he uses it for napping. Yeah, you, I feel I feel like it's what my wife would want a desk for and what I would want a desk for, which are very different things. Yeah, but also it's like it's the type of thing. It starts out as you do it for the nap, and then it's like after like thirty days of that, like you're like, all right, how can we like up the ante here? Yeah, and I guess so. You know, eventually you make your way to blowjobs under the desk. I think I've said this um, on a podcast. I don't know if it was this one, but the summer that my wife and I met. Uh, we were both interns in the same office. <laughs> Is this going to be a story about blowjobs? No, sadly not. Um, 
but uh, sorry, yeah, sorry for the uh, for the head fake there. No, but we were both interns, and like as interns tend to be, summer interns. We didn't have our own offices. We were sort of like in like public areas. But an office right behind where I sat became empty because the woman who worked there went on maternity leave. So I just sort of like just basically like squatted in the office and took it over. And my wife, who we started dating that summer, she would just come over every afternoon after lunch and just take a nap under my desk because I had privacy that she didn't have. And I told her, I'm like, you realize what everybody is just going to assume is happening here? Because like the door would be shut, the lights would be off and she'd be taking a nap. And she's like, no, I'll make clear to everybody that I'm sleeping. <laughs> so, yeah. 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 Um, so, yeah. So um, he walks out and, of course, he bumps into Cheryl and her lawyer, David Rabinowitz, uh, played by David Weisenberg. Um, and I think I may have found the only person who's uh, been typecast as like Jewish guy uh, more than Dan, possibly. Here's a list of his credits. These are like of, like half of the last like whatever, 25. Rabbi Goldfarb, dermatologist, Dr. Robert Weinberg, defense attorney, <laughs> lawyer, Dr. Haskell, Saul Perlmutter, IRS agent. Dr. Goldblatt, anesthesiologist, Mr. Spiegelman, Hanukkah Harry, rabbi, man slash finance guy, Dr. No way, come on. Dr. Goldblatt, banker, Ira Goldberg. This this actor, what's his name? David Weiss? Yeah, so he's played two different Dr. Goldblatts. No, he must be like arch enemies with Dan then. Yeah. Yes. Um, Yeah, he and I are. are, uh... Yeah, we're, we're, we're enemies in like an intramural softball league. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, yeah, and his last is uh, Uncle Larry. His, mm. his, uh, not Uncle Larry, Larry, nice. And by the way, David Rabinowitz, also a, a contestant in the Hiram Katz competition. Yeah. Yeah. Well, um, you know, uh, there aren't many of us, you know, you know, it, you know when, you, when, you, when you, you have to either work the look or not, you know, uh, it's yeah. not like I, I you know, now, when I met, when I actually got signed by my agent, uh, the first thing I said to him was like, well, let's not be, let's be clear. I know I'm not going to be going up against Brad Pitt for any parts, you know, right. I mean, uh, so, you know, <laughs> you work with you at. Yeah, yeah. You're, you know, you're, you're occupying dif- uh, different lanes. Yes, exactly. That's right. um, yeah, so Larry... Uh, notes that the lawyer is bald and Cheryl's like, yeah, yeah, obviously, you know, it's a coincidence. Um, <laughs> Larry claims that this lawyer should have to recuse himself from the case. After all, that's in the bald code. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But Larry, of course, is like not uh, not obedient to any of like actual of life's uh, life's rules. But the ones he's invented in his head about the bald code, those are should be strictly enforced. Yeah. But he's allowed to call him bald, of course. And then he uh, drops another Edward, which is uh, LD dropping a lot more than I remember when I watched this the first time through. Yeah. Um, and there's an interesting thing. Yeah. So first of all, like Chappelle was definitely right. Larry did not learn his lesson from, yeah. <laughs> from the Edward. Like he's That's still true. like, if there's no black people around, like he's yeah. completely fine with it. Chappelle's completely correct so. about that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then... Um, what's interesting is that when Cheryl responds, there's an interesting moment where it's like, I'm not hundred percent sure if this is Cheryl Hines or Cheryl David talking, which she tells Larry that he should stop and he's crossing boundaries that he shouldn't be crossing. I'm like, it's not inconceivable. She's like, Larry, come on. We talked about this. We shouldn't like be doing this in the show anymore. No, but, I'm, uh, sure, I'm sure it's, I'm sure it's the, the, the character. I think it could be both. I mean, do they put it, do they put it in the show or is that just Larry saying, no, I stand by it. I mean, you know, maybe, I don't know. Yeah, whatever. Obviously, I don't know the answer. I'm making this up, but yeah. it, it, it did work on both levels for me. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. So, Larry, um, he starts making these, like, weird motions with his head. <laughs> He's like, yeah, I'm, like, practicing how to do a tick, and I'm going to do it on dates and test, you know, we'll see whether they, you know, make any mention of it or notice yeah. it. And Cheryl's like, what's wrong with you? And, Cheryl, and Larry's like, well, you know, what would you, what would you think if you saw someone doing this? 
And she's like, well, if I thought he was doing it on purpose, I would think he's an asshole. So I, I have a proposal that we start watching every Cheryl scene and interpreting it as actually Cheryl Hines talking to Larry David. Because I think that's possible <laughs> for the last two lines as well. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like, Frank, right. Like, what are you doing? Like, why do you have to make fun of all these things? And she's like, maybe this is over the line. Yeah. Um, yeah. So Larry's like, you know, it's not a big deal. I'm just like doing a little social experiment. <laughs> I'm sure he's taking very careful notes and like, yeah, you know, he has like a, he has a control sample and a varial sample. You know what I think um, this is Larry is, is he's going out of his way to be unattractive to Cheryl because he, he's learned his lesson about trying to win her back. <laughs> that could be. He's yeah. He could just be like letting it all out. Yeah. It's just like a balloon. So yeah. By the um, way, we didn't really spend a lot of time on this. We just sort of segued right into like the new season, but like, it is kind of crazy that Cheryl David gives up a role on like the biggest television event of the year basically to come back to her love Larry David and then breaks up with him because of like one idiotic phone call to <laughs> Julia about like the respecting it's it's kind of crazy because if you know who LD is you know who LD is yeah except like he, she was seeing this whole new side of him so like obviously I'm just saying, she did, terrible she did. I mean I, I yeah, hate, no, I hate to be she, rude but Cheryl there's a reason that your acting career went nowhere and it's because of decisions like this <laughs> um, yeah, no, listen, she obviously she didn't, she didn't think it through. She, uh, yeah. you know, there was a whole, you know, they had a great time on Seinfeld, the nostalgia of it all, being around, like, you know, Larry was yeah. like a big shot and a big deal. And then when, when it was back to real life with real Larry, it took about five minutes for her <laughs> yeah. to realize, you what know, I've, I made a, I've made a huge uh, mistake yeah. with, uh, you know, Joe, Jeff. Do we ever uh, see Virginia again after season seven or no? I don't believe so. Hmm. I don't think so. Her career must have gone off to uh, huge places, as, as Jerry predicted. Yeah, she's a pro. Yeah. Hello, pro. Um, <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. So we're going. What's to, the um, uh, I just escaped my mind. What's the, the famous drummer who the tapes that the Jerry loved that would work him work it into the show sometimes into Seinfeld? I don't remember. Um, Dan, do you know what I'm talking about? I don't know. All right. So let's uh, let's hope let's ho head over to uh, brunch with the uh, hold on. The, 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 sorry, the Buddy Rich tapes. Okay, I don't. Have know. We discussed that on this podcast or on the Seinfeld podcast. Not on this podcast. Okay, so so basically, Buddy Rich is this um, is this uh, drummer like considered like the greatest drummer ever or whatever, and he would, but he was like a complete like asshole to like the people who would work with him in his bands, and he would just go on these crazy rants against them after shows, and so some of the other members of these like rotating bands secretly recorded these tapes, and they became like a legendary thing among comedians, and they passed them around all the time. And so Jerry made an effort to work some of the ridiculous lines that um, that Buddy Rich said on the tapes into Seinfeld. And there's three examples. So one of them is uh, that guy. That guy is not my kind of guy, which is the line that Frank says is the translation uh, in um, Korean of what um, his uh, Korean would have been wife's father in law would have been father in law said about him. You remember what I'm talking about? No, I don't know. Why, yeah, why are we talking about this? Anyways, anyways. Well, because because I'm just wondering, like the way that the way that he says um, uh, she's a wait, what, what, what does Jerry say again? You just said the line and now it escaped me. Pro, hello, pro, hello, pro. Yeah, hello, pro sounds like the kind of thing that would have been on the Buddy Rich tapes. This was a long circuitous route. That was, yeah, very, yes. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Yes. Thank you for sharing that. Hello, pro. <laughs> All right. We went a long way for that, student. Yeah. 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 I, I might need hell, a little nap after that. I kept not realizing how far back I had to go. So, yeah. Hell of a payoff. Yeah. <laughs> what? Ah, put it in the show notes for those who haven't seen it. The link to the YouTube video of Jerry explaining this and then cut sure, it. Yeah. Seinfeld. It's very. Everyone, cool. should, everyone should spend an additional five more minutes before yeah. they can get to the next part of the podcast. <laughs> yeah. 
Um, okay, so we're heading over to uh, brunch with the Greens, and as it'll turn out, the Funkhousers. Mm. This might be my favorite Jeff Susie interaction in the show's history. Divorce lawyer in town. He's terrific. You like Bert, huh? I like him a lot. Yeah. Oh, you know what? You and I ever split up. Let me tell you something. We get a divorce. 50-50. You take whatever 50% you want. I'll take what's left. No, no arguing. No negativity. Are you fucking kidding me? You think we're going to have a nice divorce if we ever get divorced? No fucking way. I'm taking you for everything you have, mister. I'm taking your balls and I'm thumbtacking them to the wall. You're going to get nothing out of it. You mentioned the D word once in your fucking life. You'll rue the day you ever met me. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, truly amazing. <laughs> the idea that like Jeff isn't allowed to do anything. He's not even allowed to divorce her because she, yeah. she doesn't give him permission to. Have you ever discussed this line with your wife? No. Um, oh. yeah, I because I did. And my wife gave me a Susie. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah. She'll crush you. Yeah. yeah. She said I would make your life so miserable. Yeah. yeah. Don't <laughs> tag your balls to the wall. Yeah. All right. So yeah, it's basically it's like a, it's blackmail. It's like don't divorce me because I'm just yeah. gonna like make you make you miserable. So like just like put up with me. Yeah, basically. It'll, it'll, I'm gonna make it even worse. Yeah. You know, uh, you know, the one thing Jeff has 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 definitely specialized in in this whole show with her is the consistent terrorized look of oh my god, it's the 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 dragon is loose kind of thing, right? <laughs> right. Look at his yeah. face and this whole thing is just like. You know, he thinks he's done a nice thing. He thinks he's like kind of saying like a nice conversational thing. And she is unleashed. And he has to look up to her like, I have gone, I have, I have, I have let loose the dragon and I am screwed now. You know, yeah. he's the yeah. master of that. He does it like a thousand times for the whole series. Yeah. yeah. I mean, what, what, what it's, you know, when we see Susie, it's almost always with Larry present. So like, we can only imagine what goes on behind closed doors at the green home. Yeah. To be fair, he he's a worse husband in many other ways, though. So. Oh yeah, no, he probably does lots of things that he deserves to be yelled at all the yeah. time. <laughs> they deserve each other. They deserve each other absolutely. Yeah. Um, so Marty, Marty comes in and he has great news. Oh, sorry, he doesn't come in. He's you know he's out. We we like pan over. And it's like oh, Marty and Nan are also here. It's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which like is to my point. It's like it's not. She didn't only just do this explosion in front of Larry. Like who gives a shit? Like also like the Funkhousers are there. Like they're all out to dinner together. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, Marty has great news. He's going to London on business, and Larry's like, oh, Nan, are you going too? And she's like, no. And he's like, oh, you really should. It's so nice there. And like Marty's like giving him death stares across the table. And finally, man is convinced, you know, she wants to go along. And, you know, Marty's like trying to talk her down and saying, you know, it's cold. It's terrible there. Um, but like she's in, it's over. And Marty's just like still just like, sh again, shooting daggers across the table. Larry, like death stare after death stare. And, you know, they're all deciding what to order. And Larry, of course, chooses the buffet. Now, hold on. Can, can we discuss this Funkhauser scene for a second? <laughs> okay. I mean, I, I've asked this many times before, but like, what does the funk man do for business? Uh, you know, and but I guess I'll ask another question, which I haven't asked before, which is, you know, Bam Bam Funkhauser, we were introduced to and it was implied that she had some mental deficiencies. But other than being a little, you know, a little bit wacky and, and a little bit aroused, I guess there was really nothing wrong with her. Whereas Nan, is she like dealing with a full deck? Because like she's repeatedly presented as being like brain dead. And here she like had never literally never thought of the idea of traveling with her husband until Larry brings it up. Right. Um, yeah, I mean, she's really just like not a well-developed character at all. Like, yeah. I don't know what, like, why, why they, I guess, you know, I guess that's probably what ended up happening is like, they just realized like Marty, the, the idea of Marty unleashed is more interesting than like Marty with like Nan around because like, they just like really didn't give her much to do. Yeah. No, that's a good point. And he was, but I just want just a little, little sidebar story. So 
at one point, you know, in, in, in doing the thing, you ride back and forth between locations and stuff like that. And I ended up being in the van with, with him. And I just was saying to him, you know, like, you know, I've watched you for years, really admire you and stuff like that. And I said, you know, I, I go all the way back to the Super Dave Osborne days when you were doing sure. Super Dave, right? And he, sure, and he sure. said to me, oh, I, I still talk to Fuji. <laughs> <laughs> and I thought, it's the greatest Super Dave moment ever. I still talk to Fuji. Very good, uh, <laughs> didn't know Fuji was still alive. <laughs> yeah. That's a very good impression. Thank yeah, you. that is very good. Um, yeah, so... Equally, equally useless now, but there it is. <laughs> I can do it. All right, well, you never know. You never know when that might come up. Uh, Maybe yeah, if, they, so... if they do the Curb Your Enthusiasm cartoon, I could be huge. There you go. Yeah. There you go. There there you, go. go. you play animated funk man. <laughs> That's right. There you go. Um, so, yeah. So um, he heads over to the buffet. And as he's going there, he uh, bumps into Joe O'Donnell, um, who plays the owner of the Dodgers here, uh, played by Gary Cole. Yeah. And... Uh, who, by the way, unlike Paul F. Topkins, I instantly recognized from the first time I saw this. I'm not sure why. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Gary Cole is, you know, he's in a bunch of stuff. Yeah. He's... Now, this is, are we going to talk about sort of the background of this story with the Dodgers at all? Yeah, um, I did. I did a little research on this, um, and there's like, and there's like multiple layers to this, as there yeah. always is with everything on Curb. So first of all, um, Joe O'Donnell is a real person who was like the CEO of of Boston Culinary Group, which was like they did like concession stands at I think baseball games and fairs and all sort of stuff. Um, so they made like you know a ton of money. They bid on to buy the Red Sox in 2001 and got outbid by John Henry. So, like, he used his name and, like, this guy who, like, once wanted to own a baseball team and made him the owner of the Dodgers. And it's, like, mapping it onto the real-life story of Frank McCourt and his wife, who, like, they got litigation about the dispensation of the team as part of their divorce. And, like, it went back and forth. First, like, they said, like, it only belongs to him, but, like, he had a prenup and this and that. Um, And eventually, like, they said that, like, he got some amount of money and he got to keep the team. And, um, and then eventually the team was sold to like the Magic Johnson group. Yeah, which my my the the buyer's lawyer, the Guggenheim group with Magic was was my boss, uh, Irwin, in his first like major franchise acquisition. Um, kind of the reason like I have my job now, actually. So oh, so then you probably should have given the whole backstory instead of deferring yeah. to me. Well, well, so the, it was actually a cr- like the litigation between Frank and his wife was so crazy and like the kind of stuff that like lawyers hear about in law school but never really happens in real life. Like there were documents that were that were literally like fraudulently fraudulently signed, and the way and like slipped in and like they tried to slip in pages later. And the way they found this out was because they looked at all the other original signatures and they could see like the indentation because they'd all been in a stack of papers. But then this one had no indentation. It was like really like crazy stuff. Um, yeah. So McCourt Cork and a scumbag. Uh, but his wife was such a big Trump supporter that uh, Trump ended up naming her as ambassador to France. So um, I think we can agree that they both suck, and it's good that they no longer own the Dodgers. Did she did she kick ass as the ambassador to France? Yeah, um, yeah. So I don't really know which one of them is worse, uh, Jamie or Frank. So yeah, they're both pretty terrible. Yeah. Um, so yeah. So um, so I guess we actually we learned through the course of the conversation that the woman with him is obviously Anna is obviously his girlfriend or something. Yeah, some this sort is of, not his a, wife. Yeah, a newer. Like when she uh, when they first walk in, like you assume that they're married, and then you're like, oh, this is some you know some other. Well, he mentions his divorce lawyer ten seconds in. So yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, so yeah. So uh, but before they head out, Anna gives them a heads up that their daughter, that Joe's daughter, Kira, um, is probably going to knock on their doors and try to sell them some Girl Scout cookies. So yeah. Uh, yeah. So, Sounds so, great. So we basically find out that, yeah, so he and Jeff and Larry all live in the same neighborhood, and that seems to be how they know each other. 
Yep. So um, Larry is uh, helping himself to the buffet and brings it back to the table. And we get the, uh, the scene that we brought him here for. Um, Larry, the buffet, gets, uh, gets in a little trouble with the uh, restaurant manager and uh, has a hero that comes to save the day. <laughs> oh, wow. okay. Huh? There you go. You're loving that? That is beautiful. I told you, the buffet, man. Boy, did we do the wrong thing. Shrimp. Crab legs, shrimp, potatoes. You know what? We're still a little bit hungry. Can I just take a couple potatoes? Yeah, help yourself. Look at that. Take, take a crab leg. Are you sure? Absolutely. Take some oh. shrimp, too. Why would potato be his shrimp. first choice of what no. to take? Take three. You want three? <laughs> no, two is plenty. That's yeah. all I want. I'll give you some. Go back. Get me some. I need Hi, you. I'm, I'm sorry to interrupt, um, but um, you can't uh, take from the buffet and share with someone who's ordered off the menu. So, unfortunately, we're going to have to charge you for an additional buffet. It says it's all you can eat. Well, it's all you can eat, but Well, what's can't... the difference if I give it to somebody else? Well, because then he's eating it. It's all he can eat also. I wasn't going to make a second visit. This is it. This is, this is my but only place. How am I to know that? So... Well, it doesn't say that you can't, you can't give it to... Excuse me, maybe I can... <laughs> Hello, I'm Hiram Katz, attorney at law. Maybe I can straighten this out. First of all, in your implied contract with this man, there is nothing that allows you to restrict what he does with your product after he purchases it. So he can do whatever he wants with the food. And secondly, if you suspect that he's stealing another buffet from you, you'd have to be able to establish prior intent. Now, can you prove prior intent? Yeah, I didn't think so. So in the absence of that, I'm afraid there's really nothing you can do except probably apologize to these people and maybe buy them a round of drinks. Hmm? Uh, I'm sorry and um, happy to get you a round of drinks. Policy accepted, that won't be necessary. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you. I hope you don't mind. I just, I hate to see people ripped off that way, so I thought I would dive in. I am Hiram Katz, attorney at law. Here's my card. Enjoy your brunch. <laughs> so where do we begin? <laughs> a lot to unpack here. So um, I had a whole other thing that, that they, they stopped me from doing about how on top of everything else he was doing, I wanted him to take the slotted spoons out of the gravied entrees. Because <laughs> I felt that was him like trying to save the gravy. Oh. And, uh, and Larry, Larry uh, had to cut that one. And, and you know, this episode, by the way, is directed by David Steinberg. Yes. Right? And I have to admit that I was as much or more starstruck by meeting David Steinberg as I was for meeting the rest of the cast that was there. Um, and, and, and so, uh, uh, you know, so, you know, he got to chime in there and I, and I'll tell you something that happened. I, I'll tell you the story now. I was going to wait for a little later, but I'll, I'll tell it to you now if that's okay. Sure. Yeah. Um, so, you know, later on, there's a scene where we're in my office and, and Larry is hiring, right? And we just shake hands. And that's when I say, I'm the real deal. Okay. What happened was in that scene, he says to me, are you sure you're really Jewish? And I said, do you want to check? Oh, boy. All right. Larry yells cut, leaves, and he's gone. Okay? He's, he's gone for maybe 10 minutes, but it feels like at that moment in time, it feels like maybe an hour to two hours that I'm alone on the set. Oh, and boy. the crew is kind of looking around like, oh, oh, he shouldn't have. Oh, he really blew it. <laughs> he blew it. Bad, bad, bad. Right? So I'm like, oh, man. And, you know, before you go on a show like Curb, you think to yourself, Larry's going to love me, man. It's going to be the greatest thing right. ever. I'm going to be there Thanksgiving. I'm going to be hanging out with him. We're going to be going to, 
you know, games together and stuff like that. You know, so you have this whole other image in your mind as to what's going to happen. Now I've completely screwed the check thing, right? Comes back and he says, just say I'm the real deal, right? So we do like maybe 10 takes of me just saying, I'm the real deal, us smiling, like we're shaking hands like you see in the scene. And then when we yell cut, he looks at me like he's eating like a bad piece of fish, right? (laughs) So I'm just like, oh, he freaking hates me. He just hates me, right? Oh my God, he hates me, right? I'm having my own real Larry David moment now, right? Because I've now said a thing, you're not so happy with what I said. So... We go, I go home that night and I, and like, you know, I think to myself, you know what? I'm doing this for too many years. It's too long. I, I can't let that. It's got to go in tomorrow and do my, do my best. And so, you know, whatever happens, happens at this point. You already hate me. What's the difference, right? So I go in the next day, which is going to be when we're going to shoot that scene. You just saw the buffet scene. And the first person I run into is, is Jeff's wife, right? It's Sue. So, so um, uh, uh, she turns to me, she goes, wow, you know, you really do have that Alan Dershowitz look. <laughs> and, and I go, I go, Sue, I grew up on, on Long Island in New York. Guys like me are farmed like salmon, right? <laughs> and, and David Steinberg hears it and he turns to Larry and goes, yeah, you know what? He is funny. Like now I've been saved. So it's a little bit like prison. You have to cut somebody, you know, if you don't make someone bleed on set, then, you know, it's, it's not a, a thing. So, so. <laughs> In, in that scene that you just saw, like, you know, that's that's kind of the result of that. And after I did that a few times, Larry actually gave me the thumbs up. It was like a little Hallmark movie moment, right? Actually, like, I got, like, literally a thumbs up from Larry after that, which is, like, you know, uh, a career highlight. But the poor guy that's the restaurant manager guy, they picked on him for a very long time. <laughs> they didn't like his read. They didn't like what he was doing. When he seems a little thrown there, he is a little thrown, right? Yeah. You know, and. And, and after we shot the whole thing, um, uh, he turned to me, he goes, well, they liked you. They sure didn't like me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, he should be able to do a better job of calling bullshit on like this. Oh, I have some legal theory that you're allowed to share the, well, the buffet with, with whoever you want. And, once it's, once you and, buy the food and he's like, oh, I guess that, that must be the law. By the way, again, if you go to that YouTube clip, if you search buffet lawyer, if you're like, uh-huh. I think you search like curb, you know, there's a buffet lawyer, and you read the comments underneath the, the clip that we just watched, right? There is there is real debate over whether or not what I said was legal. Now you know that the show's improvised, right? So I yeah, made course. it up right then, right? I didn't know what the hell I was saying. But people are like, well, that's not really true. There is no implied agreement. They don't have the right to do the thing. And they literally are arguing over the, the you know, if there's legal precedent for this whole thing. And I'm like, you know what, guys? I, I just made it up. Yeah. Yeah. You know, um, Bob and I are both lawyers, so we can... <laughs> Yeah, I, I could I could say pretty much everything you said is complete bullshit. Um, <laughs> yeah, bullshit. yeah. Um, there you know, right? Nothing, nothing about you said is right. So, but like, what my take on this? It's not that Dan didn't know any any like legal things to say that were correct. I don't believe that Hiram Katz does either. I think he's doing the same <laughs> shtick that you are. He's just like throwing out big words, like concepts that sound kind of like legalese, and like is just totally. like sells it well totally. and like gets in your face, and it's just a like, confident and like people yeah. are like, okay, whatever, do what you want. I mean, there are many yeah, got, lawyers like that in real life. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I got promoted like from busboy two weeks ago, and now he's like, I has to go in and tell him he's going to charge him for an extra buffet. You know, uh, it, it's it's. Uh, by the way, you know the, the 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 another another story I'll tell you is about the suit that I'm wearing. Okay, you know, uh-huh. I got to the, I, I get to the set that day. Costume person takes me. They put me in the thing. They put me in a suit. You go in the van, 
I go in front of David Steinberg. Suit looks great. Go in front of Larry. Larry goes, I don't really like the suit. Back down the elevator, into the van, back to the tent, put on another suit, go see Steinberg. You know what? Larry's right. This one's better. Get in front of Larry. Ah, I still don't like that one. Back in the van, back downtown, back into a third suit. Get in front of Steinberg. Okay, I like this one. See what Larry says. Third suit, Larry. No, nah, not this one either. Steinberg says, you know what? Don't even come to me. Just go straight to Larry because obviously I don't know what he wants. Six suits later, that's the suit that he picked for me. And he said to me, Larry said to me, now you have to know, we really have not talked at all, right? He said right. to me, um, he said to me, uh, you know, yeah, I'm sorry. I'm sorry I'm making you change. I go, you know, Larry, it's just putting on suits. It's just getting clothes. It's not like you're making me dig a ditch or anything, you know? Yeah. And Larry made this, and he made this face at me like, was not expecting me to say something back, like that kind of thing, you know? Did not expect a reply. So now I'm, I'm, I'm sitting there and I'm waiting to do my thing. You know, I'm sort of waiting around. Right. And Jeff is next to me on his cell phone and, you know, Jeff's an executive producer of the show. Right. So, so Jeff is on his phone. He goes, yeah, I think the guy is kind of starstruck. I think we're going to have to replace him. I don't think he's going to make it. I think we're just going to just sort of scrap it and make it go. Right. He's saying this in his phone and I'm like, Oh my God, it's me. He's going to fire me because I said the thing about changing the clothes. <laughs> it was somebody else totally different than that, but I was all freaked out for that. Oh, that wow. Brief yeah, that's a scary moment. It was a scary moment. What, what yeah. were the other suits, the first five? How different were they? <laughs> you know what? They were all, I don't remember them being any different than the one I made, to be honest with you. But Larry yeah. kept saying, here's, the, here's his exact term. You'll, you'll appreciate this. The exact term he said to her was, it's not schlumpy enough. Yeah. <laughs> That's funny. Not schlumpy enough. Mm. Now you yeah, have to so look that word up to really understand what it means. Schlumpy, I yeah, think. I think we covered it on last week's episode. <laughs> yeah, probably. They, they have come up. Yeah. Um, uh, by the way, this totally coincidence that we happen to be recording this tonight, especially because we're actually posting it a couple weeks after we record it. But last night, from when we're recording this, last night I went out for my wife. It was our anniversary with my wife, and we went to a restaurant. And I've been to buffet restaurants before, but for the first time in my life, exactly what happened in this scene happened, which is uh, we were looking at the menu and I was going to get the buffet and my wife was not. And the woman said, just so you know, if you she said this affirmatively, the waitress, if he if you even eat one piece, they're going to have to charge the both of you. And I actually was thinking, like, I wonder if that episode of Curb forced like buffet restaurants to initiate this conversation more frequently because I have not. I think this happens all the time in places where they have a buffet and some people and people try to take food on the side for their friends. I mean, you know, this has been going on forever. Mm. But that they affirmatively give a warning like that? Well, <laughs> what you, they probably get into situations like this all the time. So it's like you, you don't really want to charge somebody after the fact because like yeah. then like they have they had a terrible experience. Yeah. Uh, so like you got like you, say you, it up front, like, ha- and you may not have a Hiram there just to save your ass. Yeah, I think that's the, definitely the right way to handle it. Just like make it clear, like you know, yeah. you're you're welcome to do this, but like you can't share the food. Like that's the yeah. whole point. Now, my wife also did say that someone like her should have to pay a lesser amount than someone like me or my friends. <laughs> yeah, no, they're not going to do that because <laughs> uh, yeah, she didn't get her money's worth the same way that I. Yeah, did. I mean, I think so. I think in this situation, like the correct resolution is like, hey, you guys, you can't do that anymore. But like, I'm not charging you for the whole thing. Like, it's like a warning. Yeah. Is what, is what Although, as he approaches yeah. the table, we do hear the funk man say, "Hey, next time you go, can you get me a?" <laughs> yeah. So Marty's, uh, you know, in for a diamond for a dollar. He wants it all. 
Yeah, interestingly, Brad Morris, who plays the uh, the restaurant manager, will return in season nine, episode four, playing the part of restaurant host. Mm, so, so he it'll gets be downgraded. Ex- <laughs> yeah, well, I don't even know. We'll see. I guess you know it'll be interesting to track the uh, the progress of the character two seasons from now or a yeah. season and a half from now. Listen, you cross uh, Larry David, your your career as a manager is going to be short lived. Yeah. Okay. So we yeah. uh, we head on home, and uh, Larry's telling Leon all about the invite to the uh, owners' box, the Dodgers game, and Leon's really excited. Yes, it's gonna be great for us. And Larry's like, "Wait, what do you mean us?" <laughs> and Leon's like, "Yeah, you know, you know, a hookup always comes with a plus one. You know, whenever I, you know, whenever I've gotten a hookup, you got a hookup." Mm. And he's like, "You've never gotten a hookup." And Leon's like, "Well, you know, I get all these hookups in small ways that like you don't see, but like trust me, like I'm getting you hooked up." Now, I think it's very clear with sort of the the uh, the appearance of Michael Richards and, of course, the famous scene between Kramer, Michael Richards uh, and Leon last um, last season, the end of last season. Like the buck has really been passed. Like this is now the uh, Jerry Kramer relationship. Exactly. You know, like this is a conversation (laughs) that Jerry had with Kramer on Seinfeld many times. Um, yes, yes. They don't they don't have an equitable friendship. Well, except for the part about fucking bitches in a twin bed, because I don't remember (laughs) Kramer ever bringing that up to Jerry. Yeah, Kramer Kramer definitely slept with women in Jerry's bed. Yeah, there's no question. Yeah, I mean, there's no way he did like everything but that. Like, yeah. <laughs> like we've seen all sorts of shenanigans that he's gotten into. He's yeah. like, you know, that oh, that's crossing the line. Yeah. Um. So yeah. So it's uh the doorbell rings and it's Kira, Joe's daughter, and played by the great cat Caitlin Dever, who is who has since since then gone on to be in a ton of humongous things. Um, she was in um Justified. She was in that miniseries on Netflix on uh unbelievable it was called about like a, a rape victim and yeah. she of course starred in um what was that movie um book smart with uh yeah. Jonah Hill's sister she was like the lead of that movie so yeah she's yeah. she's amazing mm. um so yeah so she's here to sell some girl scout cookies and larry's like he asked him you know do you like girl scout cookies and he says <laughs> no i find them abhorrent <laughs> but come on in nonetheless yeah and she goes through all the ordering options, including the Tagalongs, the Samoas, and the thank you very much. And uh, Larry orders five of each. Dan, favorite Girl Scout cookie? Uh, got to go with the, the mint ones. The mint you know, ones, gotta, the Thin Mints. Got to go with Thin Mints. Yeah, I looked up the – I went to some website, and they had that as number one on their rankings. Um, yeah. I'm a Tagalong guy. I'm not a big fan of mint. I, what is a Tagalong? It's like a peanut butter cookie. Peanut butter. It's oh, a good it's, cookie. That yeah, it really good. isn't a – there aren't many that suck in terms of yeah, the girls. They do a good. Lot. They do a good job. The Samoas are good. I don't love coconut, but I still like them. I would. I would like them more without the coconut. Uh, but yeah, there's a lot of really good Girl Scout cookies. So you know, support the Girl Scout. It's a good, delicious cookies. This uh, this has been sponsored by the Girl Scouts. Have you seen That's... a Girl Scout before since before COVID? I have not. Um, since COVID has started, I don't think I've. Yeah, are they, are they selling their co- are they selling their cookies again? I think um, they sell them online now. Yeah, mm-hmm. they probably they were probably mostly doing that anyway. Too. Yeah, probably. at some point though, they'll be in yeah. front of your grocery store all over again, like they used to be. But did yeah, one yeah. of you guys as kids ever go like door to door selling stuff? Uh, I did magazines once for like my high school, my, yeah. my elementary school yearbook, and like sold to like two people. And like, oh, that was I like, did. Cool. Yeah, magazines we did a lot of, and um, wrapping paper was a big one. I don't know why. Wrapping paper. Uh, I never saw. We that. did. I went door to door selling wrapping paper. Yeah, <laughs> I've bought. I've bought my share fair of candy bars from kids selling yeah. for schools. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we, did, we did candy bars, and uh, uh, I got to a point where I sold like five of them, and then I got sick of it, and convinced my dad to buy the rest of the box. Mm. Oh yeah, and he was willing to do that. So there you go. You know, because we because you have a quota when you do that, right? You know, you just to like it isn't just like we'll do your best. It was like right. no, you have to sell the box, right? You know, or you got to so buy it. Yeah, thing, yeah. You know? yeah. So she's really excited until her happy face uh, quickly turns upside down. 
Okay, now we we got to talk about this episode, um, this scene. Okay. Um, okay. Oh, are we watching it? Sorry. Yeah. No. Okay. <laughs> I don't think your screen is shared. Oh, you're right. <laughs> are you laughing along? Well, okay. While you do that, let me just say, like, I've never been a prepubescent girl. Obviously, I don't think either uh, Av or Dan has. Um, I've always found it impossible to believe that this girl would announce to a strange adult man like <laughs> what has just happened to her. Um, but yeah, let's let's watch it happen. Yeah, I mean, right. She, mo- most girls in this situation would not. I think they'd go to the bathroom, like held on to that. Yeah, yeah. Which right? No, I think she. You know, she does the smarter thing, uh, but pro- r- right, probably not the most realistic thing. Yeah. Everything okay? I uh, think I just had my first period. <laughs> Larry's okay. face is amazing. That's uh, yeah. Okay, so th- th- that's no problem. That's no problem at all. You know why? In fact, I got an ex-wife, and I was married. And she's a woman. She left stuff upstairs that's going to be very valuable to you. I'm going to run up and get it. You stay right here. Don't move. Okay? Don't worry. You had it in the right place. I'm not kidding. I got this. I got this. You had it. Stay right there. Does a girl this age at this time have a cell phone? No. Got it. Going door to door. There you go. I don't think so. All right. Why does he not just give her the box here? (laughs) Yeah, she should be. He should be like, here, you figure it out. Yeah. Also, I mean, this uh, should really be okay, raised in the right, uh, divorce proceedings. Here. That like this mom, this mom has not a um, conversation and you know, given her the talk about what to do in this situation yet. Okay. I think. Okay. If you're know. using a tampon, what on. you'll see that the plastic applicator is made of two tubes. One. What do you mean plastic applicator? I don't know what this is. I just don't get what you're saying. How brave is this girl, by the way? Oh, it's, an okay. it's insane. Hold the applicator lightly on it's the outer insertion tube but the grip engagement with your thumb and middle finger. Lightly? Huh? What, what, you, what am what I supposed to do? Gently slide the applicator all the way into your... <laughs> okay, how do I know if I'm doing it right? He's sticking his armpit. His armpit. And I'm really right now. Can you... Oh, okay. I got it. I got it. it look, it pushes it out. Are you sure? Right direction. No, no, listen, listen to me, listen to me. Take the inside where the string is and push it. Push it. Push it. Push it. You'll see a cotton. What are you talking about? You'll see a cotton piece come out. Okay, that doesn't make any sense. Can you talk a little slower? Okay, there's a tube, right? Yes. There's an outer tube and an inner tube. Inner tube? Put the outer tube in your vagina and then. I don't know what I'm doing. I've never done this before. Take the. Take the outer tube, take your thumb and middle finger, Wait, what? and push that tube forward. It comes out of the plastic. Okay, that seems wrong. Look, it came out of the plastic. I'm holding it. Okay. You got I, it? I, I think so. I think I got it. All right. <laughs> Great success. Yeah, Caitlin Devers is unbelievable in that scene <laughs> as a, like a 13-year-old girl or whatever. It's incredible. Yeah, I mean, listen, I we, we this is probably something we should have had a, a lady on the podcast for because yeah. um, I have no I I have no idea why do they have to be in like that casing, like why like when you get cotton balls they're just in a bag. I, yeah, that's not a question. You know, I, I I'm not a doctor, but I have played one on TV, and what I can <laughs> yes. tell you is I think there's some degree of like sterilization or having it not you know mm. touch other things yeah. that shouldn't touch. Right. That makes sense. That's a good point. Fair. Yeah. 
good. So there you go. Look, you've played a doctor and you know much more than the other one of us idiots. <laughs> I, you right. know, as, a, as, as, as the face of all Judaism, I play all the Jewish roles. Yeah. Of, you know, I played that. I played an agent. I played a lawyer, a, you know, doctor, you know, uh, I haven't played a jeweler yet. That's probably the next thing. Mm. All right. Yeah. That'll come soon enough. Uh, maybe if they do a sequel to um, the Adam Sandler movie. Uh, <laughs> <Maybe>. <laughs> Isn't that a lot of Spartac Jews these days? It's all sorts of juice. Ah, okay. All right. Um, so, yeah. So, Larry's driving home, and a guy pulls up on a motorcycle, and it's none other than Andrew Berg, mm. his uh, Jewish lawyer. Um, ah, which, uh, do you ever recall seeing a Jew on a motorcycle? Um, our friend Jacob White had, like, a scooter. So, my my cousins, who I was with this past weekend, actually, uh, another story. Um, he, My cousin, my first cousin, rode a motorcycle all the way from Boston to this house of his in Cape Cod. And I was very surprised that his wife permitted that activity, <laughs> to be honest. I did not. I forgot to use this line on him. But I asked Jen if I could go on for a ride on the motorcycle and if my cousin let me. And she said, absolutely not. Yeah, no, motorcycles are very dangerous. I'm not, yeah, a, I'm not right. a fan of motorcycles. But, you know, I mean, I, I think it would be fun to do it at like, you know, 25 miles an hour on a back road. But I, I suppose. Yeah. Um, Here's yeah, the thing. Can... The problem with the motorcycle is you only need like a fairly decent sized rock to make the whole thing end in disaster. Mm. Right? Yeah. <laughs> you, you know, in a car, you know, you run over a rock. It's like, oh, my tire. I might have to replace that now. I'm going to have to put $200 into it. Right. On a motorcycle, you get to a decent sized rock, a little hole in the ground and it's it's done. It's finished. It's over. You're finished. You're done. So there's no reason. There's no reason to ride a motorcycle. Yeah. I almost feel like every time I get pulled over by a cop for doing something that's like technically not allowed because it's like, um, like it's too dangerous. Like, oh, like you're not wearing your seatbelt or you, you made a dangerous left turn. I should be like, that guy's driving a motorcycle. Like what he's doing is much more dangerous. Let's bother him. I'm not wearing a seatbelt. If that guy gets the crash, he's, his body's going to get hurled off the cliff. You know, I, I was on the back of a motorcycle once and they took one of those like, like big turns. And, you know, you realize that your face is like, you know, just really only inches from like zooming past uh, uh, asphalt yeah. and pavement. And you yeah. just realize at that moment in time, just how, uh, you know, we're not we're not made of metal. Like we, this is if, if we fall, it's going to be very, very, very bad. Yeah. And yeah, Jerry so, Seinfeld, uh, of course, has a whole bit about uh, motorcycles and those who wear them. <laughs> right. The helmet. Right. The helmet's yeah. wearing you. Now, my, my, uh, my cousin did actually offer me and Jen said this would be OK, uh, that I could ride along with him, like hold on to him. But I just felt like I didn't really want to be gripping my cousin that closely for the entire duration <laughs> of the ride. It felt like it'd yeah. be uncomfortable. So, yeah. So, yeah, Larry, in fact, um, he says that he had tried a motor scooter in college, but he went again. Yeah, he, too, went 30 feet before he fell. And Larry, you know, Jeff clarifies, of course. This wasn't uh, current Larry, but rather Flo, Ra- uh, Fro Larry, who, uh, of course, was the lead singer of Larry David and the Hipsters with his yeah. bro. Now, I think I think that you need to have the which I guess argues against, which is why some people don't want to wear helmets. You want to have that feeling of the wind blowing through your hair, which bald Larry can't uh, take advantage of. Right. That's true. That's true. Yeah. Um, so Susie walks in and she's wearing this like camouflage print <laughs> shirt. And Larry refers to her as General Petraeus, which is yeah. like the most dated re- reference possible. Like I could like I don't know what could be more like just like, oh, there was like two years where everyone knew who General Petraeus is. Yeah. And like never before and never again since then. Uh, yeah. And now he's most famous, isn't he, for the the, the cheating with that whole scandal that he was. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So he had right. He had like two blips. One like when he yeah. was like the head of like the forces in Iraq or whatever. And there was talk of him being a presidential candidate in 2008. Yeah, and... right. Yeah. Now, uh, okay. now, do you um do you notice, though, that Larry is very quick to say thank you for your service to Susie? Right. Yet he won't say it to Sammy's fiance one day. Well, he'll, he'll only say it as a joke, not, yeah. not sincerely. <laughs> yeah. Uh, 
Yeah. So she uh, she's like, by the way, you need to go apologize to the O'Donnells. They're really upset about that. You, you know, taught their daughter how to use a tampon. Insane. Uh, Larry's Insane. Like, Insane. Yeah. I mean, they could not be like thrilled about the way it worked out. But like Larry did the best he could. It was it is the most ridiculous reason. Like everybody in this show is always mad at Larry and it's always justified. Larry was heroic here. Like what the average person would have said, here's the box. I'll see you later. I'm getting the hell out of here. Like he tried to do his best. And he was successful. Like he got it in. Yeah. She, and, yeah. I, what did she go back and say? Like, it's, it's very, very strange. Um, why, um, why Mr. O'Donnell's mad at Larry here? Yeah. I mean, now Larry for his, for, you know, for his measure, he will compare it to giving a tissue to her, to help her with a runny nose. And that is not, it is not yes. that either. But of course, uh, but Larry's self- always like de- <laughs> defends himself in the worst possible way. on this show. Right. Just like defend yeah. yourself actually on the merits, not yeah. based on like some stupid argument. Yeah. Like, no, it's not like, it's not like a runny nose. Like yeah. it's like a bloody <laughs> vagina. Like it's, it's very different. <laughs> You know, it's the most empathetic you'll ever see him, right? That he actually yeah. was willing to, like, go get the thing out of the closet, put him in in the bathroom, and ride it out the whole way, right? You know, most times, you know, you would think Larry would have just sent her on her way. So yeah. uh, it's it's very, it's you know, one day I'll have a chance to do something good in my life, as he, you know, uh, once upon a time, many seasons ago, <laughs> right. thought about. Right. Um, so, yeah. So, like, he's like, what the hell? And, like, Susie's like, listen, like, I'm just a messenger. Don't kill the messenger, as they say. <laughs> and Larry wouldn't mind killing the messenger. And uh, Susie's not surprised. Yeah. Uh, but, like, Susie throws in at the end. Listen, you know, I, I don't think you're getting those tickets anymore, by the way. Yeah. Um, Insane. <laughs> So then uh, just then Funk, uh, the Funk Man walks in and he's like, Larry, you are a colossal <laughs> prick for butting in and ruining my vacation. You had to interfere. But uh, I love I love when Funk Man says you're a colossal prick and Larry laughs, which seemed like a legitimate laugh and said, <laughs> yeah. boy, I'm really getting it today. It's, it's yeah, a, just a I could have had three weeks working and being alone. Yeah. And when Larry says, like, well, why didn't you want to bring Nan? He's like. Well, I'm, you know, I was going to be bored everywhere I go with her. We don't look at each other. She talks over me. I just want to be alone. I want to get the chance to spread my wings. So Larry's like, okay, so just like get divorced. But he's like, nope, I'm too lazy. And Larry's like, yeah, I hear that. Yeah, I got to hear that. It's all, it's a whole to do. Uh, getting divorced. Yeah. Yeah. Stasis is, stasis is fine. Hmm. It has to be really bad to like, want to like deal with all that. Yeah. Sure. Um. So yeah, so well. Uh, Larry uh, heads on over to uh, the O'Donnell home to apologize and smooth things over, and let's see how it goes. Oh, I'm so glad you shared this clip, even though I think I asked you to. <laughs> yes, may I help you? I'm here to see uh, Mr. O'Donnell, Larry David. Uh, Mr. O'Donnell here, but uh, he gave me special instruction not to open the door for you. What? <laughs> Wait a second. What if he doesn't want to see me? Why? Mr. O'Donnell said you did a bad thing to Miss Kira. Bad thing? Yes. Oh, no, 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 no. Yes. I didn't do anything bad to Miss Kira. I closed the door. Mr. Oh. O'Donnell said, Larry David, close the door on Hold him. Hold it. Wait a second. Wait a second. I'm supposed to go to the baseball game with him. You have ticket? No, but he asked me if I was interested, and I said I'd be very interested. Interested <laughs> doesn't mean ticket. Yeah, yeah, it just, it just means ticket. I'm interested. I have no ticket. Gardner interested, the chauffeur interested, cook interested, cook more interested than me. He has no ticket. Now, this is a legal principle that I can get behind. <laughs> interested is not ticket. Yeah. But, by the way, yet another example of LD doing the worst possible job of defending himself. Yeah. Um, yeah, listen, um, I completely agree with her. He's got nothing to show for himself. Um, he's, she's phenomenal here. Super hilarious. Yeah. But, the, the, uh, you know... Uh, 
again, just a classic LDism of, you know, he gets himself in more trouble by focusing on the wrong thing. Like he's focused on what the words I'm interested in means. He could have just said explicitly, he asked me to come with him to the game, which is true. Um, but the reason I asked you to share the scene is the line interested doesn't mean ticket. Every time Jen or anyone else in my life, but who else do I talk to these days, says that she's interested in something. I always say interested doesn't mean ticket. <laughs> right. And I was shocked that like that I couldn't find that on YouTube, like just that clip pulled like this scene. And so I actually had to like make it myself because it wasn't like it's not it's not a line that anyone else uses, apparently, except for me. But I, I use. So if you did a ratio of sort of like the amount that I use a line from Seinfeld slash curb relative to how much everyone else does, I think this one would be like the extreme point on that curve. Because this yeah. does not seem to be something that anyone else says. But I say it all the time. Interested doesn't mean ticket. Interested does not mean ticket. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. Can I ask so, another question? Why would O'Donnell have assumed that LD was going to come over in person such that the maid would have been warned specifically, don't let this man in the house? Um, I mean, I guess they're, you know, they're really upset about it. Yeah. Maybe LD called a few times and left messages that were unreturned. Yeah. Maybe something like that. Yeah. 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 Um, so yeah, so we're back at home and Cheryl's come over to get grab her stuff. And Larry's like, no, I want to keep those candlesticks, I guess. Um, it's obvious he has no idea what they even are. And Cheryl thinks it's weird that they're actually signing the papers. Frankly, I think it would be weirder not to sign the papers, but you know, teach their own. Um, Larry, you know, he starts to opine that some people view marriage that as a divorce as a waste of time. He doesn't see it that way. It's kind of like public school. You do it, you get through it and then you move on. <laughs> and Cheryl wants to know, well, like, what did you learn from it? And he says, you know, I wouldn't be, uh, I wouldn't be tongue scraping if not for you. Uh, she seems a bit disappointed that this is all he's uh, taken away, but at least it's something. Yeah. <laughs> and um, as she's about to leave, Larry's like, you know, um, before you go, you know, we should have sex. Yeah. And she's like, no, why would we do that? And he's like, why not? What's the difference? <laughs> Which no, is she, not she, a... she says, name one thing I've done that makes you think I want to have sex with you. <laughs> is it the mere fact that I'm talking to you? <laughs> and Larry's like, yeah, basically, you know, when there's, when, there's, when there's a woman in my bedroom, it seems crazy if I don't at least offer. Yeah. <laughs> Which I guess, you know, I guess that's fair. Yeah. Like, you don't want to be kicking yourself later if it turns out that she would have said yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then Cheryl uh, all of a sudden remembers that she actually was speaking to her friend Julie, who went to high school with Andrew Berg, and they went to uh, St. Christopher's together. And Larry's very confused because how could he have gone to a Catholic school? But then he starts, he remembers the motorcycle and he starts piecing something together in his head, and an unavoidable truth is starting to emerge. And the door, before we can uh, move forward, the doorbell rings and it's a Girl Scout troop and they're there to collect their money. And Larry. He's like, nope, I canceled the tickets. You know, I canceled the cookies. I don't want them anymore. And, you know, they, you know, and they're like, they start yelling at him, be a gentleman. They said, you, and... were, you said you were interested. So they bring that back in. <laughs> right. Now, do, um, do we think that Cheryl really didn't know the reaction Larry would have by dropping that little nugget? Or she, does she do it to sort of, uh, you know, stick the screws in? Because I, thinks... I think it's a coincidence. I didn't oh, read it okay. as her. Yeah. All right. But I could be wrong. Um, so, yeah, he, he ends off saying, go speak to Joe O'Donnell and ask him why there's going to be no yeah. cookies. Yeah. The scene, the only thing that makes the scene not perfect, in my opinion, is it ends with jerk when it should have ended with bald asshole. The way that, you know, like the last interaction with right, kids. Right, right, right. Yeah, yeah, that should be what kids always call Larry Davis. Yeah. They should always call him bald asshole. Yeah. <laughs> that would be a great, a great recurring joke if that was yeah. always with the case. Um, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, so we um, – so Larry heads um, – back over to um, Andrew Berg's office to confront him about mm. the uh, the shenanigans or shtick that he's been pulling with his stolen valor. What is this stolen uh, uh, Semitism? What's the, what's the expression you use for someone pretending to be a Jew to get the uh, professional? Hello, I don't know. Berg. How you feeling? I'm feeling okay. So Berg, I was talking to Cheryl and she told me that a friend of hers went to high school with you. 
Really? Yes. I believe the name of the high school was uh, St. Christopher's. St. Christopher's, that's correct. That is, that is my uh, alma mater, yes. Didn't know that uh, they took Jews at St. Christopher's. Oh, well, they don't. I mean, why would they, you know? Oh, I'm not, I'm not Jewish. Oh, you're not. Did you think I was Jewish? <laughs> yes, I did. Because of birds. Yes, yes because, because of birds. Bird. Yes. Yeah. I've often wondered, you know, would people really think that? Yes, and, and you did nothing to perpetuate that, did you? Well, no, I mean, well, I'm, I'm not sure what you mean. Oh, how about on my birthday? Mazel tov, Larry. Well, you're Jewish. Yeah. I'm uh, respectful. On, on the high holy days, I said, hey, you going to Templeburg? And you went, no. Right, because I'm, I'm not Jewish, so <laughs> yeah. why would I go to Templeburg? Right, like... I'm a Jew, but not a practicing Jew. Oi, Larry, with this. Oi, again, see? <laughs> it's an expression. Another, it's an expression. It's an expression that what people is this use. thing? A shofar. Why is this on your desk? People give me gifts. They'll give me like that for my desk or the mezuzah that's on the door. What are you, by the way? Well, I'm Swedish. I got a sweet <laughs> lawyer. She's going to get everything. You, you got a good lawyer. You got the best lawyer, Larry. Sorry, Berg. It's a Shonda, Larry. I got Sweden. Um, so it's such a ridiculous uh, point of view. Um, yeah, this is very, this is like very much reminiscent of like two different uh, Seinfeld things. Number one, the uh, the Donna Chang has to be a Chinese woman because of her name. Um, and then like, it's very much uh, same tones as like the Paul Watley stuff that where he's like, just like you, you know, appropriating the Jewish culture because he's it and, you know, it's good for business, not because of any, like, you know, actual genuine connection. For uh, Andrew Berg, aka Saul Goodman, aka uh, Jimmy McGill, over here. Yeah. <laughs> uh, third coincidence of the podcast, by the way. My son comes home from camp yesterday, which is Monday, and he says, "Look what we made in camp today," and he made a uh, like a shofar stand. A shofar. Wow. Oh, cool. Yeah. I have no idea why, but now I have a shofar on a stand, and I can put it on my desk, just like a. Uh, just you should like put it on your desk, like Andrew yeah. Berg, to make people. Can you actually you. blow it? Can you yeah. actually blow the shofar? Can you I'm sure. I, I'm sure I cannot. But uh, I bet you Andrew Burke can do a better uh, job than I can. The chauffeur you know blow goes on goes on top of the desk. The the, the blowjobs go underneath the desk. Uh, yeah. Do you, yeah. Do you know? Do you know that, that it's a terrible joke? But do you know that joke about the the uh, bunch of uh, limousine drivers who are talking, and one guy says, "Well, I work for this Italian guy. It's credit all the time." And the other guy says, "Well, you know, I want to work for the Jews." Well, why do you want to work for the Jews? Because I heard they blow the chauffeur. Yeah. Oh boy. <laughs> That's very yeah. good. I have I I I obviously knew exactly where that was going, and somehow yeah. that still got me. Was... I'm surprised there's never been like a Tequila Godola orgasm joke. Yeah, well, I'll take you test to test your Hebrew a little bit. I don't know if you remember the um the movie Austin Powers, the second, the the, the first sequel. The title in Hebrew, which I, I once saw a Hebrew movie poster, was Austin Powers Hamiragel Shetaka Oti, which means the Scott the the spy who blew me um, instead of the spy who shagged. Wow. Me. Yeah, they they don't go all the way. They finish at third base in Israel. <laughs> um, so yeah so we're playing pool jeff and leon together with larry and larry asked jeff if he knew berg was a swede and jeff says no i also thought he was jewish he seemed jewish uh when i first when we when i first met him he even called me a macher with a hard huh um and he would also call me like once a month asking me if i wanted to go grab a nosh um, so larry's like heard enough he's like that's it i'm not signing any papers until i get a new proper jewish lawyer to handle yeah. this <laughs> Uh, he got so, yeah. seated. So yeah, so the, again, just again, there's a uh, there's a knock at the door, or a uh, it's actually someone who barges in through the door more so, um, and we have uh, Martin Norton Funkhauser back in the fold. LD, guess who's getting a divorce? 
What? Martin Norton Funkhauser. Really? And it's because of you. That man and I were talking about the London trip. Yeah. Well, I started to realize, wait a minute. If I did go to Europe without her, I'd come back and it would be 20 more years of boredom. So I said to Nan, look, let's get a divorce. She said, okay. I'm going to be single. You and me. Wow. Is that great? I mean, congratulations, nice, congratulations. Man. You know what you do? You get fucking divorced. You should ride around and bump the horn and shit like motherfuckers getting married. You know what I mean? What a, a great, great idea. idea. Goddamn right. Put cans on your car, right. beat just your horn. Divorce. Just divorce. I'm excited. I'm single. Get out there and get some new ass. You know what I'm saying? Huh? You don't ran the other ass in the ground, right? Uh, I don't want to talk about <laughs> like that. Ran that ass in the ground? You moving on, right? Well, I didn't run any. We had a nice marriage. No, you ran the ass in the ground. I don't run on. people's ass in the ground. All men do. It's, it's not a negative thing to run an ass in the ground. That's all. You're right. That's Larry the expert. <laughs> what are you so mum about? It's just that everybody's getting a chance to get divorced except me. You get divorced. You get divorced. You don't even need to get divorced. <laughs> even the owner of the Dodgers, O'Donnell, he gets a divorce. Shit, I just realized something. O'Donnell's got the Swede. I should really tell him about Berg. What's wrong with Berg? He's not a Jew. He's a Swede. He is? I was at his house for hire. <laughs> 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 Wonderful stuff there. I loved Jeff on the, the that last point that we had of you don't even need to get divorced. As like you have like you've mastered this extra level that even no, we could never even imagine. Well, it's it's something um, they would say to Kramer, you know. Right. Uh, real life Jeff Marlowe would get his chance though. Uh, back in uh, September 2018, Jeff and uh, Jeff and Marla Garland announced their divorce after 24 years of marriage. So Jeff uh, got Jeff got his opportunity. Mm. Um, this scene is like actually like it's an ama- it's amazing to see because like Larry being friends with both uh, Leon and Marty Funkhauser at the same time and like having them have to like coexist in the same space is just like amazing. Like this scene just like puts that on such sharp display where like Leon's doing his whole like you know knock her ass into the ground and he's like it's like you're talking about my wife there what's going on here yeah <laughs> yeah I mean, uh, so yes marty's the same guy who went up to jerry seinfeld and said your cunt is in the sink last week so <laughs> yeah but it's still right it's you know he was like telling a joke here it's just like this guy this is just like how he is yeah um so yeah so uh we head over to dodger stadium and larry runs to tell joe that berg is a swede and uh o'donnell's like yeah i knew there was something up with that guy and you know he's like thanks larry for so know, even o'donnell the irishman wants the jew lawyer <laughs> yeah everyone wants a jew lawyer yeah um, is that part so, yeah, of your like, pitch off when you're uh, generating business? <laughs> yeah, I just, my, my business card says Avsenetsky, Jew lawyer. <laughs> and like, I just, it, the money just has been pouring in. The only one in the tri state area. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's just so, as if you have to ask. Is really yeah. what it should say. <laughs> exactly. Right, right. Uh, I'm the real deal. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. So they're like, this is crazy. Like, we have so much at stake. What are we going to do? And Larry says, I have just the guy. Mm. And who will it be, I wonder? So you're really Jewish. I'm the real deal. <laughs> so yeah, we, um, we shot that 15 times, and literally wow. after after every shot, he was just like, uh, <laughs> it, was, "It was a brutal moment in my life, right there." What What did he want more? You, uh, you know, I don't know. <laughs> you know, I, I have to admit, I got a little thrown when he like when I said the one thing about you want to check. I thought that was funny. And most people I say that I, most people that I tell that I say that line to, like, do you want to check? Most people think that's funny. But the thing is that if you notice, he doesn't really want people to tell jokes. He just wants them to be naturally funny in the moment. 
he thought that was a joke. And so that's what made him leave and talk to, you know, Steinberg about it. But I got thrown because it's like he's, he like seemingly stormed off the set, right? As if like I had really done, like I had insulted his lineage back to the old country, you know? <laughs> so, um, uh, you know, so, so I, when he said, just so you're the real deal, I'm like, okay, I'm not going to say anything else. And so then I thought, now, now I think maybe he thought, well, I should have at least improvise something else you know uh yeah like you were thinking oh maybe he meant like say at, at a minimum you should say i'm the real deal but like right. get that in but there don't say and the, then, don't say the like, other thing yeah. right don't say the thing about the penis <laughs> um so, so yeah so yeah. um so yeah so larry uh we jump one month later and um larry is in his car and he's heading over to dodger stadium Beautiful day at the ballpark. How much fun is this? How great is this? Two single guys at a ball game. And we're sitting in the owner's box. No, how Can about that? Can you believe that stupid remark he said to me? Changed my life for the better. Isn't it incredible? Oh, I love you. How is that lawyer? Hiram Katz. He He's must fantastic. be great. He redid my entire divorce settlement. You've got to use him. I will use him. Uh, names, please. Larry David, Marty Funkhauser. I'm sorry, gentlemen. Your names are not on the list. <laughs> no, no, no. Larry David, I'm a friend of Joe O'Donnell's. Uh, Mr. O'Donnell no longer owns the team. Huh? He lost it in the divorce, so his wife owns it now. He lost it in the divorce? Yes, sir. Didn't you recommend Hiram Katz to O'Donnell? And you used Hiram Katz for your divorce? Oh, my God. He's meeting with Cheryl's lawyers right now. They're going to finalize the papers. I got to get over there. Um... So yeah, first of all, so obviously Larry, Larry found is. out about this divorce at this moment. <laughs> it was a private matter. Yeah. Well, right. Exactly. Well, that too. Um, yeah. I was going to say, I don't like, you don't, you don't get to like this point in the stadium without having tickets. Yeah. Like, like, yes. Like, how, wait, did where, how did you get where yes. you are? Yeah. That's, yeah. That was um, awesome. Um, it says, it says one month later at the start of that scene. So in one month, he lost the team. <laughs> um, in one month he lost the team in one month Larry lost yeah. uh, all his stuff my, my uh, sister so yeah. got divorced last year or, or you know, it took it took well over a year and they had much less at, at stake than either yeah. Larry or O'Donnell so I went yeah, so we have a uh, we have our two security guards here um, yeah. interesting uh, dynamic here we have um, on the left we have the shorter fellow he, who does all the talking his name is security guard number one mm. and he's played by Eugene Cordero he was like a UCB alum uh, but he's been like a be, uh, you know both a guest and recurring roles on like dozens of shows over the last 10-15 years on the right, we have security guard number two, played by Marcos Molina, for whom this is his sole acting credit. Mm. So I say, save your stubs, uh, listeners. You've uh, you've watched an episode, an historic episode of television, the only appearance ever by one uh, Marcos Molina. <laughs> um, so yeah, so Larry uh, Larry continues on in the car. And now, hold on a second. Why does Larry have to drive all the way over there? Why doesn't he just? You know, like how does he, how does he not know that the guy didn't have an assistant until this an assistant until this moment? Had he never tried calling the guy before? Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of issues. Like, I mean, why is he no telling such... him not to sign? Lawyers don't sign on behalf of the client unless they <laughs> gave him power of attorney, which I assume he did not because he's not like right. incapacitated. Lawyers don't sign. Yeah. Um, there's no situation where the lawyer wouldn't have like gone over with him. Like, here's what yeah, you're getting. Here's terms. what you're not getting without yeah. <laughs> without like a final time at least before signing papers. That's just yeah. Um, yeah, um, Hiram Cass, not, not, not a very good lawyer, it seems. Um, I think no. we're going to learn. Hmm. Um, yeah, Larry's going to try him on his cell phone. You've reached Hiram Cass. Voicemail? <laughs> this guy doesn't have an assistant. 
Cats, it's Larry. Don't sign anything. I'm on my way up to your office. I want to tell you something about that really quick. Yeah. So before before the next thing happens. So I I had shot the other two things that you had seen, just the, me me uh, shaking hands with Larry and then and the and the buffet scene. And as I was leaving the set that day, I said, "Well, this was really fun. When is this going to air?" And they said, "Oh, we think it's going to air like in February." But call the production office and say you're part of episode one of season eight, and and they'll tell you right. So. I call the production office, you know, a little while later on, a couple of weeks down the road. And I say, so, uh, hi, I, you know, I, I played Hiram Katz in, in episode 801. And uh, uh, just wondering if you have an air date. And went, oh, let me see, 801. Oh, a lot of edits happening in that episode. <laughs> oh, no. Large numbers of edits happening there. And I'm like, okay, well, okay. So we, yeah, it's going to be put off a little bit. So, okay, good. Now, call us in two weeks. I said, okay. So I call in two weeks. Hi, uh, just wondering what's happening with episode 801. Oh. Oh boy, a lot of editing happening in 801. Tremendous numbers of edits constantly going on. So this goes on like this. I call like we, you know, they, they keep coming two weeks, three weeks. And I'm like, you know what? It's over. <laughs> I'm on, I, I'm on the cutting room floor. He hated me. He hated me since I didn't think you want to check. That's it. I'm out. I'm done. Never happening. Okay. Um, I, it gets to be three months past when they were supposed to air and I have given up. I'm just like, it's not happening. I get a phone call. I'm actually in New York, and I get a phone call. We need you to come in and do some, some work on, on the episode. And I go, great, sure, I'll come in and do that. So I, I come in to tape that, to tape the, uh, the, the, <laughs> the, voice, the outgoing voicemail message of Hiram Katz. And um, when I got there, it's like literally they just wanted me to do, you know, his, the outgoing message. I go, you know, literally I could have phoned this in. And they said, you know, um, uh, and I said, I'm just glad to hear from you guys because I didn't think the thing was even airing because I gave up calling. They said, no, 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 it's going to air on July, whatever the date is, July 21st, something like that. They're like, they knew it all along, never ever told me. But uh, uh, yeah, I could have called that. I could, I literally could have phoned that whole thing in. They let me do 15 different outgoing messages, by the way. I did some where I did like Jewish songs. Uh, I did a whole bunch of different like Jewish uh, outgoing messages. But they settled on me just doing the voice. This show really gave you a lot of service, I gotta say. Yeah, yeah, a lot of service from the show, a lot of service, <laughs> and now a lot of nauseous. <laughs> so you know, service and then nauseous. So I'm happy about the whole. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Um. So yeah. So um, Larry continues on into um the uh, office building to go looking for uh Hiram Katz. Asshole, you cost me the Dodgers. Ah! Whose office are they at? He's also there. They're in my office. Oh, okay. very nice woman here. Yeah, Hiram Katz's office. In Hiram Katz's office. It's a tampa. Well, I got hit in the face. What was I supposed to do? Stop the bleeding. Okay. Um, so, you know, I just signed the papers and I got the house. So you have 24 hours to vacate the premises. What? You got the house? Go. You're not supposed to get the house? He gave up <laughs> my house, that idiot? <laughs> what? Gerald, that's not fair! Gerald! 
me, do you have a scissor? I need to cut the string here. Um, yeah, so, um, yeah, Cheryl does well. Um, now she's on top. Yeah, I think Larry uh, is okay. <laughs> yeah, he's probably still okay. Yeah, you know what? You hire um, a lawyer based on nothing but a buffet interaction. You get what you deserve. Yeah, so we um, and, yeah, and, and solely based on the fact that he's Jewish. Yeah. Um, I mean, no, he did. Yeah, he I did, mean, it was an impressive display at the buffet, to be fair. Yeah, I but more so. enough. <laughs> I, I thought, you know, listen, I, I thought I made a very, very strong legal argument there. Um, and uh, God only knows what I did in the office with uh, with Cheryl's lawyer, but apparently I dropped the ball pretty bad. You know, <laughs> it, sure, it sure sounds like it. Um, so yeah, so we're back at home for our last uh, scene, and Larry's packing up, and Leon is really uh, lamenting that he has to move again and reminiscing about all the memories he has here. Uh, for example, that time that he fucked two bitches in Larry's bed. And Larry's like, "Wait, what? You had sex in my bed?" Like Larry's like doesn't even care about like the extraneous details. He's just like even just the fact that you had sex in my bed at all. It's like already like super over the line. Uh, and uh, Leon's like, I don't know what you want from me. Like, how are you going to do that in a twin bed? Yeah, he's right. And Leon is like very angry at Larry. He's like, you you hired that bullshit ass lawyer who got us kicked out of the house. Yeah. And Larry's like, go pack your stuff. You got thirty minutes. And they uh, they exchange very hearty fuck yous with each other. Now I have a question. Cheryl moved out of the house. The rest of the black family moved out of the house. The only room Leon can find other than the master bedroom is a room with a twin bed. <laughs> yeah, there, was, there should be something better, yeah. uh, better accommodation somewhere in that Larry house. Larry David's house, I would imagine, has a second uh, queen size bed or even king size somewhere in the house. Yeah, so the, uh, the doorbell rings and it's well, a whole... If you think about it, if you think yeah. about it right, if it's just the two of them, right? If there's one thing Larry probably doesn't want is house guests. So why would he have any more bedrooms? Mm -hmm. I mean, he might have the rooms, but I have, I have to believe that Larry's not going to want other people in that house. I think he's pretty much like, don't put another bed in there. I don't want anybody else here. You know, we'll, you know, we'll put something else in there. Yeah. When the blacks yeah, moved that, out, he filled all the rooms with uh, pool tables and ping pong tables. Pool tables and more TVs, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. And what Vicky, Vicky Lewis told us the real life Larry David, right? When he got divorced, the first thing he did was go turn on and off all the lights. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so yeah, so, um, the doorbell rings, it's the whole troop of Girl Scouts and they're there for their money. Um, very, uh, very mafia like, mm. um, he's like, well, I distinctly remember canceling my order and I don't even like Girl Scout cookies. And he tries to slam the door on their faces, but one of them sticks their foot and in order to prevent it. And as they start arguing and pushing back and forth, the, uh, curb ending music comes on and our episode ends. So there it is. The divorce. It is, uh, it is done. The papers are signed. Yeah. All right. So, Av, how, how do you rate this episode? Um, so I watched this episode a number of times. I, I remembered it very fondly. Um, and like the first couple of times I watched this, I thought it was like a medium of the pack episode. And as I've watched it a couple more times, um, my fondness for it has grown. Um, I think it's like, first of all, like it just like took me some time to remember that like all like the Jewish stuff in this episode is it stuff that I should take for granted. Um, and like how awesome it was the first time. Just this whole storyline is so good. Um, but yeah, there's just like, there's so many like little funny moments in this episode that I really love. Just like different like pronunciations and just a good, a good overall arc um the way it comes together so i uh over time i upgraded it all the way up to a pretty 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 good four pretties out of five a uh, very solid above average episode um that i really enjoyed mm. dan we always give the uh the guests a chance to rate their episode as well <laughs> well you know um 
clearly it's my favorite. The, you know, the hard part about doing an improvised episode is that you then afterwards think of things you might also have done. Mm. So, uh, right. you know, uh, that's that's the hard part. I, I wish that uh, I had done more when he shook my hand in the office kind of thing. I should have. I, I had this whole thing in my head afterwards about like, are you hungry? I've got a cup of soup. Like I had a whole thing in my head that I could have. But um, <laughs> right. uh, uh, but you know, listen, it was it was a tremendous experience. Ironically, by the way, or interestingly enough, the episode that airs after this one. Remember when they're eating chicken at that restaurant? Okay, a friend of mine who's not an actor by the way, but a friend of mine is playing bad when he looks Palestinian. He's Jewish, but he looks Palestinian enough. That he's actually eating in the Palestinian restaurant. Yeah, so, so, so that's in two on, episodes for now. That's season eight, episode three is Palestinian chicken. Three episodes, yeah. two. Okay, so so yeah. yeah. So he's behind, he's in the background eating chicken behind Larry. That's awesome. That's Boy. awesome. Yeah, he probably figured it's a good place to go because um, there won't be any Jews there, so you can't get caught. That's that right. Was, yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, so what's uh, so Dan, you got a rating for us for the episode? I'm gonna, or, I'll uh, go with the pretty, I, I'm gonna have to go with the pretty, 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 pretty good also. I'm gonna give it four as well. Four pennies. Oh, all right, I think all that's right. the lowest rating we've ever got from a guest, actually. <laughs> well, right, here's Mark, the thing. I, I, you know, I prefer, it, honest, I prefer yeah. honesty. I, I, listen, I, it'd be awfully like egotistical me to go, well, it's the greatest episode ever yeah. in the history of the show. <laughs> you know, although I, you know, I have this dream that Larry will somehow bring me back as Hiram Katz, you know, uh, later on. For those of you watching the podcast, jump on your social media, tell, tell Larry that Hiram needs to return in some way. Mm, yeah. yeah I don't well, know I what can, that no, he can force are... the bad lawyer on somebody. There, yeah, there's all sorts of ways, right? Yeah, for the voice thing would be good. Like, oh, right here, I got a great lawyer for you. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> Although I would imagine he got some bad press after O'Donnell lost the Dodgers. I would uh, imagine. <laughs> you know, what's interesting to me about this episode is a lot of the season premiere episodes of Curb are setting up the season-long story arc. And what I like about this episode is it doesn't do that. Like, we have no idea from this episode where the season is going, right? Like, the divorce seems to have been initiated and finalized all within one episode. Um, so we know we're going to see like single LD, but we don't know, like, you know, we've seen single LD previously, you know, like when he was going on dates with Xena Warrior Princess and whatnot. And so where are we going this season? We really don't know. And I think we don't care. Like in, in, in a vacuum, this episode, it's a very, very funny episode. It's a very memorable episode. We have that epic Susie divorce explosion on Jeff. We get Leon back after like a real lack of Leon through much of season seven. Uh, we have Sweeted entering the lexicon. You know, I grew up in Minnesota, so I frequently got Sweeted. We have, you know, the uh, we have interested doesn't mean ticket. We have, you know, we have uh, Hiram Katz as like this, you know, epical Jew lawyer. And then we have, you know, the Gentile lawyer with all like, the, you know, the Jewish traits that he's uh, artificially presenting himself with. Um, and so but like so this episode doesn't and this episode doesn't have as many like crossing storylines, maybe as, as as like some peak episodes of Seinfeld. But like it's very enjoyable. Um, and we do, of course, we have the, the whole thing with the daughter, which ties in. Um, like and when I think back to how I felt in 2011, like two, it had been two years since I'd seen the previous episode. And I'm just like filled with happiness. Um, and I have to say, like, I think this is a very good episode. And I'm kind of surprised. Like, I've been going back through like my grades and I've been like much lower on like every episode that I have. I get like two pretty steady episode. And I'm kind of wondering, like, why do I keep doing that? Because like in my head, like in a vacuum, this is like like a, a three and a half to four pretty good episode. But like I, then I look at like my cumulative rankings and I've given all these other episodes two and a half. And I think I've gotten into this like like vicious cycle now where like I can't go higher than two and a half for any episode because I haven't for any episode. And right. I, it's I like know. no one. It's like nobody could go in on the first ballot because uh, like yeah. Gary did it. Or exactly. Something. It's exactly the same Joe, thing. Dima- Joe DiMaggio. Yeah, I need to, I need to like redo uh, my rankings from from scratch, I guess. So, yeah, I'm going to say I'm going to say it was pretty, pretty, pretty good, which is two and a half, which, again, it's not bad. That's like what I've been giving all the episodes I like lately. So. Um, if it's yeah. two and a half, though, shouldn't it be like pretty, pretty, pretty or something like that? So like, we've how had debates about how to do that. 
Yeah. 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 <laughs> uh, yeah. We have different ways of doing it. There's no, that's uh, a valid yeah. question, though. A consensus should be formed on, mm-hmm. on this issue. Oh, no, right. that's not. Yeah. It, it's, it's almost like the metric system, though, where you guys do the thing. Yeah. It's very confusing <laughs> right. and, and probably only valid in Europe. So, yes. you know, uh, you might think. <laughs> very limited yeah, jurisdiction. I, I think Monica I recognizes it. We have two different currencies. We have Av Bucks and we have Chester Nichols. And yeah. Everyone has to do the math at the end, yeah. end of the podcast. <laughs> All right, uh, who is your come with guy? I thought I, w- I went with a lot of different people in this one that I was going um, poking from one to the next to the next until I finally settled what I think is um, the clear come with guy to me in this episode. And it's a come with gal. And that is uh, Cheryl, whatever her maiden name is, Nee David, or I guess it's the opposite. Cheryl, Nee, whatever. The point is, yeah. um, she's not only, you know, has Larry David um, finally out of her life. She's also gone from at the beginning of this episode to getting not not his house and none of his property to by the end of the episode, his house and seemingly a lot of his property. Mm, yeah. um, so certainly like no one's position has improved more during the course of this episode than yeah. one Cheryl David. Now, I'm not a divorce lawyer in California, but isn't California like a 50 50 state? It's community property, but there's yeah. you must still be allowed to have because I thought there was the whole right? debate about like which 50 percent you get, like do you which asset do you get to get the house or do you get like a security? And obviously the house is more convenient than like the net value or whatever. But um, yeah, so who knows what's going on exactly? But um, well, yeah, I mean, they still have prenups in some ways. I would yeah. believe. I think with the McCourts, they signed a postnup, actually. Yeah, you could do that too. Yeah, um, you could sign a contract between people whenever you want. Yes, like, correct. That's, a, that's the great thing about a contract. I'm saying yes, the real life McCourts. Yes, that yeah, Jamie. And you can Frank. make any deal. Yeah. Yeah, my, my come with guy is going to be Andrew Berg because we have Hiram Katz on the one hand, terrible lawyer and a Jew. Andrew Berg did nothing wrong except perhaps try a little too hard to like make his Jewish clients feel comfortable. He's a good lawyer. He got Larry the best deal that anyone's ever gotten anywhere. Like what? I like what that that he's the best lawyer on earth. And uh, if Larry would have only come with Andrew Berg a little further and, uh, you know, not been enabled by uh, Hiram Katz's tribe membership. Yeah, Larry would be in a much better situation. So you know, I, just wanna, I just want to say, I just want to say, I think that Hiram Katz probably is just outclassed in the same, you know, he may be trying to like move up market, you know, kind of mm. like do better. Yeah, he's, 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 he's uh, mediating restaurant disputes and all of a sudden he's doing the divorce for the guy I, who owns the Dodgers. Yeah, I, I think, I think possibly, you know, he could be a really good slip and fall lawyer. Mm. I think that's, that, you know, that maybe that's his strength, you know. Yeah, you know? well, <laughs> I think his strength is getting the clients. It's not, as, but it's the, it's the holding of the clients. Yeah, yes. maybe, maybe that should be it. Maybe he's just gotten like recruit them and then get real lawyers to actually defend them possibly. Yeah, that could be. Yes. Okay. So we have, uh, so I have Cheryl uh, as my come with gal. Alex has uh, Andrew Berg as his come with goy. (laughs) Dan, who do you got? Who's coming with you? You know, I, I think. If nothing else, Hiram Katz scored himself some decent legal fees, right? Mm, You know, it wasn't true. You know, to defend the Dodgers. So even if it's a short term win, he got himself some decent money. Yeah, you know what, Av, you said that Cheryl improved her standing more than anyone else in this episode. I disagree. I think it's Hiram. Cheryl was getting 50% of that property anyways. It was. She, she just wasn't getting the house. Like, you know, if, Hiram if, if is, have, a, is a Nebuch nobody lawyer who all of a sudden has these major clients, Larry David, the owner of the Dodgers. If you don't check the outcome, you can still say, he, you know, legal counsel for the Dodgers or for Larry David, someone's going to be impressed. Whether, Absolutely. You know, if you don't check the by the hour, baby, outcomes don't matter. <laughs> if you don't check the scorecard, it's a very impressive thing. Hmm. I agree. Yeah. So, um, so what were the exact details of the uh, the settlement? So, like, you know, that you and Rabinowitz struck. So, like, basically, you throw a hundred million in my clients, but way I take ten million, you take ten million. Larry's <laughs> not going to miss his money. Like, that's what went down. <laughs> I, I think the way it went down probably was I went in. Pro- I probably went in strong and said, "This is what I'm getting with this, 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 and this." 
Which was and all then, bullshit. Yeah. <laughs> then, and then all that they all that the other lawyer had to do was roll seven seasons of shit that Larry did, right? <laughs> and then I think I probably would just said, just please don't hurt me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's true. I, I think that's probably how it went down. I don't think it was a I don't think it was a long meeting. Yeah. Yeah. They hired a um an editor to put together a best of for the first seven seasons of Curb. That's right. That's yeah. right. And then and after about 20 minutes, I went, okay, take what you want, just don't hurt me. That's mm. what I think happened. All right, who is uh, we'll start with you, Dan. Who's the biggest fucking asshole on this episode? No, <laughs> I'm gonna go with some of the Girl Scouts. <laughs> yeah, the Girl Scouts are yeah, that's pretty. They're pretty, pushy girls they're pretty under the radar. Yeah, they're well, very pushy. I mean, I mean, look, here's the thing: if you're gonna be a Girl Scout, you're gonna be sweet and that kind of stuff, and sell cookies, and it doesn't go your way. You know, you don't expect the Girl Scout to start calling, you know, name call. Really, so that's why I'm gonna go. Yeah, very, very aggressive Girl Scouts. Very aggressive. All right, Av, what about you? Who is your uh, fucking asshole? Um, yeah, my fucking asshole, I, you know, it's got to be Hiram Katz. Um, you know, yeah. he's going around giving out frivolous legal advice uh, to anyone. And, you know, it's some scheme that he's cooked up to um, just, you know, and, you know, ambulance chase, uh, you know, little uh, restaurant disputes. I, you know, I even wondered maybe like he's got something going on with the restaurant manager, too. Like he's getting a little grease from him, too. Like, <laughs> oh, it's all a things. scam. Wow. Yeah, it's all a scam. Every, I think everything that Hiram Katz is doing, he's he's uh, he's running a con on everyone. Um but yeah, listen, like he uh, he climbed the ladder very fast. Um, but yeah, he you know he had he had to uh, cut a lot of people to get there. So uh, yeah, he's my worst I, person. I, I'm just happy for any title I can get. <laughs> yeah, I, I, would t- I would take it. It's a good one. You know, it's good. Yeah, <laughs> some of my favorite characters on the show are fucking assholes. <laughs> <laughs> All right, um, I'm going to go with uh, somebody who I'm now picking for the tenth time, I think, which is uh, Larry David himself. Uh, I'm sorry, <laughs> sure. I didn't want to do it, but. He hires and fires attorneys based on ethnic stereotypes. He cost his friend ownership of the Los Angeles Dodgers. He cost himself a house. To quote Leon, you done fuck that shit up, Larry. So, yeah, Larry's the fucking asshole this week for me. Very good. Very good. Okay, Dan, I think I think we've gone uh, past our time. So we'll uh, we'll let you go. Um, and we really uh, truly thank you for coming on. This was really a ton of fun. We had a, we had a great time. I'm sure our listeners will love it. Um, is there anything you wanted to uh, plug or promote before we go? Uh, you know, I have a bunch of things that are that are that are coming out right now. Uh, I just did uh, part of it. There's a biopic about Pamela Anderson, and uh, that that's coming out soon. I did a little bit of, of work in that. And you play, um, you play Tommy Lee? Uh, no, I play Pamela Anderson. Uh, oh, okay, that makes sense. Yeah. The special effects work on this is unbelievable. Awesome. Uh, All right, I'll look. Yeah. I'll look up for that. That's cool. Yeah, yeah you want to see that? You know. So you you want to. Yeah, I did everything but run the beach. What, run? What are you crazy? Running on the beach? It's crazy. So, so, who, so are you, uh, who are you? Who are you actually playing? I, I'm one of the network affiliates, and I'm I'm very, very, very highly imbued with her. And uh, you know, I'm just madly. So you're playing her. a Jewish network executive. Wow. Yeah, <laughs> striking. I know. I actually, <laughs> if they keep it, I actually said to her that I decided to become a lifeguard because of her. So we'll see if they keep that in the, in the show. Uh, <laughs> so there's actually, that. Oh, so it's uh, Sebastian Stan is actually playing Tommy Lee. That'll yeah, I see that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, and actually, I didn't. I didn't get to meet them. They weren't there. I was there, but I guess Seth Rogen is involved in this thing. As is um, Nick Nick Offerman. Offerman. Wow. Got it. Cool. And, and, and you could also, play. You could play. Uh, you could play Seth Rogen in something one day. Maybe like I a could, Seth Rogen biopic. I, also, Sorry, Andrew Dice plays in this is in this thing too. So it's going to be a mini series on Hulu. Oh, a mini series. Yeah, Pam and Tommy. I'm looking at the. Uh, 
variety story about it right now. Yeah, that's that sounds like that'll be awesome. That's a lot of really that'll be fun. Stuff. And I've got a couple yeah. other film things happening and a couple other uh, uh, TV things happening too. So um, um, I'm excited. You know, it was a very odd year, the whole COVID year thing, but sure. you know, coming out of it. There's a lot happening now, so uh, uh, we're all getting a lot more work. So it's really, it's really going well. But listen, thank you for having me on the podcast. This was a real blast, and uh, you guys are certainly knowledgeable about the about the show and about what's going on with it. And it's really fun to talk with both of you. Thank you so much. This thank you really so great. much. We had a great time. Thanks, guys. Ten years in the making for my uh, big Hiram Cats off Sanetsky reunion. Very exciting today. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. Thanks, right, guys. Bye bye. Have a good night. Take good care. Night. Bye. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Ardov, is it time for us to visit the postman? Yes, we're going to head over to the postman in one moment. But first, um, this is a reminder, as always, to head on over to the Apple Store or iTunes or whatever it's called um, and rate and review the podcast. Um, give us a five star rating. Write something nice. Um, and that way, you know, so apparently this helps people find the podcast. And whatever you write, uh, we'll read on the podcast. We prefer to read something nice, but we'll also read something mean. <laughs> and uh, this week we have two new reviews. The first one comes from Bronx Bombers 24, who we thank for his review, even though we don't approve of his screen name. And he says, great rewatch podcast. I started listening a few episodes into season one and have kept up weekly since then. It's a fun show to listen to as Av and Alex like to nitpack, nitpick ridiculous things in the show. Uh, we do like to do that, uh, as I do as well. Looking forward to my all-time favorite episode, The Palestinian Chicken, which is right around the corner. Yes, that'll be coming up in a couple of weeks. Uh, thanks for everything, guys. I appreciate everything you do putting the show together. Uh, yeah, our pleasure. We do this for fun, and uh, we're glad people are listening. Mm, yes, very earnest, very kind. Very nice review. Um, and we got one more uh, from Will, parentheses Royal. Um, he says, good commentary, great guests. Um, Alex and Av bring some of Curb's most interesting guest stars on the pod, and they have cornered the Curb Rewatch podcast game. All right, oh. we sure have. They offer some good insight into their commentary and are vulnerable enough to mix in personal details about themselves without letting it consume the podcast episode. Uh, and, <laughs> sometimes And he gives it. Yeah, sometimes it does. Um, yeah, we have a decent gauge, and he gives the he gives us uh, five pretties out of five to Ooh, uh, to the nice. podcast that is so good score from Will Royal. Um, so that's uh, for this episode. That's the average uh, reviews of our podcast is five pretties out of five uh, Ooh, from one. Very person. good. Okay, so now it is time to head over to the mailbag, which the is brought to us by the postman. Yeah. <laughs> postman, postman, come here. Tell the neighborhood. For some reason, my Google Doc still says mailbag. I should change it to say postman. Yeah. I have like a template and it says mailbag. In it. Yeah. It's very stupid. Um, okay. Um, first email today is from Raj Krishnan, who uh, has started emailing over the last couple of weeks. And he says, good episode, but not one of my favorites. I think we need two types of people to chime in, contract lawyers and adult women. Um, so, yes, I think we covered you on one front there. Um, yeah. We were less successful on the other. <laughs> yes. 
Um, I personally think Larry was unfairly stigmatized for helping that girl with her first period. Yeah, we're completely with you. What exactly was supposed to do in that situation? Call her parents and have them come over ASAP? Perhaps, but I don't yeah. think of what he did as inappropriate given the circumstances. Definitely not enough to be deprived of, of a baseball suite. A woman's perspective would be welcome here. Um, unfortunately, we can't help you there. <laughs> Um, yeah, a woman's perspective would be welcome here. Um, alas, um, the play on Jewish lawyers is funny. I think there's an inside joke because one of the producers, Alec Berg, is non-Jewish but has a Jewish sounding name. Um, yeah, I'm sure that was a huge part of it. I'm sure like this sort of stuff happens with uh, maybe not like the playing it up, but like I'm sure all the time you're like, oh, Alec Berg, that guy who works in comedy together with Larry David, Jerry Seinfeld, David Mandel and Jeff Schaefer. Yeah, he's probably Jewish. Yeah. <laughs> so he, he's not, though. Is that the point? Um, I think that's correct. I think he's not Jewish, and but he has a Jewish sounding name, and yeah, that is tough. He's Jewish, yeah. Um, so yeah, um, he says, I like the fact that Larry learns his lesson at the end about stereotyping. I wonder just how this Jewish lawyer could be so adept at dealing with contract situations than bungle the divorce agreement. Um, well, I think we've answered that. He wasn't that adept at dealing with contract situations. Yeah. He was good at, at being a bullshit artist. But also, um, like, there are divorce lawyers, and that's a specialty. And, yeah, that's all you do. Right, right. Lawyer. One could even be an awesome contract lawyer and still completely incompetent as a uh, divorce lawyer. Certainly somebody could be completely incompetent and just, like, very aggressive yeah. and, uh, and, uh, and, you know, a salesman. But uh, not be a good divorce attorney. Um, and how could Larry not be knowing what's happening until he lost his house to Cheryl? Yeah, the crazy stuff. Uh, perhaps a third group, divorces, could chime in too here. Um, yeah, I don't even think we need to pull divorces on that to know that, like, your lawyer goes through with you exactly what the deal is before you sign anything, and he doesn't sign it for you. Um, and Raj says the asshole is Joel, the owner of the Dodgers. I'm curious who the real owner is uh we went through that earlier uh but this guy pins the blame on larry when he suggested a new jewish lawyer and gives him a punch in the elevator preventing him from catching cheryl and her lawyer in time and all because of that tampon incident he refuses to give larry a baseball ticket uh yeah i mean really it's really the um you know the pettiness over what was as you said a heroic act by larry that really sets in motion a series of events that results in both uh joel and larry being uh not quite bankrupted but seriously uh worse financially off than they were before um so yeah this time around i think it's uh joel who is hoisted on his own petard as they say um and for the come with guy he says larry uh trying to deal with you know trying to help with this episode whether it's with the jewish divorce lawyers or helping 13 year olds with the tampon and overall, he gives the episode two and a half pretties out of five. Okay. All right. So he's on my, on my, uh, on my page on he's this in, one. He's in your range. Yeah. All right. Next up is Joshua Schmitz, who says, hello, gentlemen. Happy season premiere of season eight. For me, this is a pretty average episode. You'd think that after a two-year hiatus between seasons, they would come right out of the gate with a masterpiece. But alas, this is not the case. Ooh. Come with Guy. Hard to pick one here, but I'll go with Andrew Berg. He seemed to be a pretty competent lawyer until he was outed as a Gentile and dumped by Larry. But fuck the asshole, that's got to be Joe O'Donnell. As cringy as the scene where Larry is reading the tampon directions to Joe's daughters is, Larry was genuinely just trying to help. He should have been thanking Larry for not letting his daughter go home unprepared. And he gives the episode three and a half pretties out of five. Um, so yeah, very uh, right on line with uh, especially the, uh, the Chester take. Um, next up is Jim Crumbly, who says a fine episode to kick off the season. Come with Guy is Kira. First, she takes Larry's odd cookie, banter and stride. Then she survives a personal discussion with Larry that is awkward, even <laughs> yes. by curb standards. Yeah. And the fucking assholes are the Girl Scout troop. He canceled the cookie oh, order. Yeah. He did this. He did cancel the cookie order. Like, yes. like well in advance of the time that like the cookies. Yeah, come and- sh- well, I guess he did show up at Dodger Stadium demanding. A- well, no, not when he was told he was uninvited, though. Yeah. Uh, pedal your overpriced sugar delivery vehicles elsewhere. 
And he gives the episode also three and a half pretties out of five. Um, next, we go to William Blake, who says, hey, Alex and Av, my name is Will, and I ran that ass in the ground like a rental car. Oh, good job, I, Will. Good job, I Will. Um, it could be in a respectful All men way. do. And he says, I wonder what is inspiring Larry to write plots intimately concerned with girls. Nether regions these last two seasons, maybe raising Cassie. Uh, those child actors are really polished. I wonder if all their lines were scripted or not. Oh, that's a good question. I wonder how much they gave her to do. Because, yeah, as we all said, like, she's really extra phenomenal. Um, come with guy is Marty Funkhauser. Our man got a divorce and doesn't disrespect, disrespect his wife on the way out. A good guy through and through. Fucking asshole is cats. He's the worst lawyer in L.A. Bar none. And he gives the episode three pretties out of five. A good episode, but nothing special. Okay. Uh, and okay, we have two more. Um, second to last email is from Zach Brooks. He says, I know it's a big house, but how did Leon not hear them during the very funny tampon scene? If you haven't already done so, what does Macher mean? Uh, Macher is like someone who gets stuff done. Um, it's like a big it's shot. Like, you know, yeah, it's like it's it's like a maker. Um, just like but isn't hum, it really? It's, but it's it's somebody who presents themselves as a big shot. Um. Yeah, you're right. It's like some right. It's like someone who's like a yeah, a big wig. You know. Yeah. Who's like you know very respected in the community or neighborhood throws money around. Let's put it this way: if you call yourself a macher, you're probably not like Donald right. Trump, for example. But right. if other people call you a macher, yeah, it's a sign of yeah. a. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I hate Trump as much as the, as nice much as the nice guy. I think it's fine to call Trump a macher. Yes, for sure. Yes. Like he got to be president. Like he did okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yes. Um, and he asks us, "Where is your favorite place to go for a nosh?" Hmm. Ah, well, where I went last night was really good, but I would say it was more than a nosh. It was all you could eat, and it was like heavy grilled meat. Yeah, I went. I went to that same place. Uh, yeah, about that's a month not. That's ago. more than a nosh. Yeah, that's more than a nosh. So, uh, so my wife yeah. actually was liking it so much last night that she said, "This is going to be in my top tier." With, and then she paused, and then I said. Great American Health Bar, which is a place you go for a nosh. It's like a midtown place where you get like a salad yes. or a sandwich. But yeah. my wife likes that fucking restaurant so much that she tried to make her college or her, her medical school graduation dinner there. Oh, God. No, that's outrageous. That's what I said. <laughs> so I had to make a reservation somewhere else over her objection. Yeah. No, that's like where you go for like a very informal lunch. Yeah. But the, the taco salad there, like a $7 taco salad is your favorite thing anywhere. So uh, <laughs> I'll, I don't even know if they're in business post COVID, but if they are, I'll say Great American Health Bar is a good place in midtown Manhattan to grab a nosh. Yeah. I like to go to this uh, Portuguese uh, barbecue chicken place called Kimichuri uh, that's nearby in my house. Um, and I, I like going there, especially because like they're currently like in a uh, dispute with like the local like kosher supervision that like they used to get their uh certification from so that makes the to me it makes the chicken there extra delicious okay um so i go there extra and they have phenomenal food <laughs> okay all right so that's your top notch that's in long uh, island that's in long island they have two locations okay very delicious chicken um so yeah and that gives the episode three and a half pretty saying it I'll is two... this very delicious chicken in two weeks by the way Oh yeah, that's true. Oh, maybe I'll eat some. I'll eat some ah. chimichurri on on the podcast. Let's all have some Palestinian, Palestinian chicken. chicken in honor yeah. of Palestinian chicken. Yeah, I mean it's not going to be Palestinian chicken. I, I believe Portuguese chicken. Yeah. Um it's probably just Jewish chicken. Let's be okay. honest. All right. Um, but yeah, it's really good fried chicken. They really good charcoal chicken. Uh yeah, you know, I, I will eat some on the podcast. Mm. Okay. And I will order from a Middle Eastern place that I can have uh, more more accurately Palestinian chicken. How about that? Yeah. Not getting into um, the cultural appropriation, food politics, you know. Everybody in that part of the world enjoys that same food. It's very good. 
Yeah, and we're uh, we're hoping to have a really uh, fun guest on for that oh, podcast. Uh, yeah. So maybe we'll we'll invite them to uh, bring some kicking along to you on the podcast. Uh, yeah. <laughs> you should message her actually. Say <laughs> so just FYI, we've decided we're we'll, going to be eating chicken. We'll be eating chicken. <laughs> yeah, because there's nothing better to- on a podcast than to hear people chewing. Yeah, you're free to eat chicken or not to eat chicken. Yeah. We'll be having chicken. Maybe maybe we have chicken out before we start recording. We'll figure it yeah. out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So yeah. So as we said, uh, Zach gives it three and a half pretties, uh, saying it's too disjointed. Um, and finally, is he talking we about go... this podcast. <laughs> the podcast is a little disjointed. Yeah. Um, I think the I think he means the episode though. Mm. But is it disjointed I mean, tr- or is it overjointed? We try to we try to like just like shadow the tone and like feel the episode though. So yeah. like you know, you give us a disjointed episode of Curve, we give you a disjointed episode of uh, Pretty 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 Good. Yeah. I think I also always say an extra pretty when I say the name of the podcast. I think I always say four, but like, whatever. It's always nice to throw in an extra pretty. Yeah. So uh, the, the name of the podcast officially is three pretties. All right. It's officially three, but I kind of think of it like we're like, I, it's, it's not really quite the way. So we have these shirts that say pretty, pretty. And then there's the dot, 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 pretty. So I kind of think of really the, the dot, dot, dot being after it's like pretty, pretty, pretty. And then like dot, 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 like put in as many pretties as you want after yeah, that. self Like however, however you're feeling, yeah. but like minimum of three pretties. Three um, is like, just, can't go the, it, yeah, right. Yeah. Otherwise, what are you even saying? Oh, it's pretty good. It's pretty, pretty good. Nah, no, like anyone says that. Like it's the third pretty that really yeah, makes it a Larry David uh, specialty. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. So uh, last Alan. email. It's from Olin Allen. How do you guess? And he says a fun return watching in quick succession. The opening re- recap from last season was a bit of a drag compared to if it had been a year break, but the show got it right into its stride. Love the interplay during the dinner scene discussing divorce. Susie's response to Jeff was as obvious as it was wonderful. Marty trying to wiggle out of his wife going to London was great. I'd like to acknowledge a great and unselfish performance by Anne Ryerson as Mary's wife. Super quiet and meek, not getting big laughs herself, but allowing others to bounce off her. Great performance. Yeah, so I mean, yeah, certainly, like, if you look under that way, like, it certainly, um, I certainly would agree with Olin. Uh, but yeah, like, she's definitely, like, taking a back, a back seat um, in, all, like, pretty much all the situations that she's on the show to just, like, all the, like, big stuff going around her. Yeah. Uh, growing up, the only Berg I knew was a, Nor- a Norwegian soccer player named Henningberg. Um, so definitely, I have the PFT character down as Nordic. Uh, Paul F. Tompkins also did rightly claim I must annoy my wife a lot when I met him in a bar after a Comedy Central Bang Bang gig. <laughs> I think he is the first curb actor I can lay claim to have met. Another one is due coming up in Palestinian, Palestinian Chicken as well. So Palestinian Chicken sounds like it's going to be a very momentous uh, episode of the podcast featuring um, both um, the thing that um, Dan was referring to earlier. Uh, his friend was, is on Palestinian Chicken. Um, somebody that Olin has met is on Palestinian Chicken. Uh, we will hopefully be having someone who appears on Palestinian Chicken on the episode. And mm-hmm. there's going to be a whole lot of uh, chicken on the episode, Palestinian <laughs> or otherwise, Portuguese. Um, being consumed. Yeah. Um, and um, Olin gives the episode of The Divorce four pretties out of five. You know, one thing that that is interesting to me is the sort of the cumulative reviews of the episode, which are it's a yeah. pretty low ranked episode by, you know, like the, the vultures and the ringers and those people. And I'm not really sure why, because, again, like think back to I mean, I, I again, I vividly remember where I watched this episode for the first time. The excitement was like through the roof. And so, um, yeah, a lot of these reviews are, uh, you know, retroactive uh, revisionist historians. Yeah. So um, he gives uh, his awards. He gives the come with guy to Marty. 
see your buddy get divorced? Sure. Why not get divorced yourself? Mm. Buddy up more with Larry and start isolating Jeff from him as the sole married man. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's true. Um, yeah, it'll be interesting to monitor how much uh, Jeff is in the mix going forward. We definitely do see much more. A curb really becomes with Lat with date with uh, Cheryl David uh, exiting the stage becomes much more of an ensemble comedy than it even was before. Yeah. Well, Leon emerges obviously a lot. The Leon emerges. The fuck man emerges so much that when you know you know tragically he passes away. They they couldn't even write him out, so they just had Vince Vaughn come in with no explanation and play all the scenes. Yeah, which, uh, Larry, I guess they were also hoping maybe that he would rec- recover and maybe return at a later point or something. Yeah, yeah, and like Larry even like takes a leap, like just like just becomes like the shackles are just like, completely off with without yeah. any Cheryl around. Yeah. Um, and he's just like as we've always said, like just like spending uh, a lot more time <laughs> with different people who are just going to end up getting him in a lot more trouble. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, that's what we want to see. And uh, Olin finally ends with his fucking asshole of the week, uh, which he too as well gives to Hiram Katz. Such a bad lawyer, he has to set up a scam to recruit business. Ah, Olin, on the same page as me, probably has the, that routine honed down and is in cahoots with the restaurant manager. Oh, ah. wow. Olin really uh, sees, yeah, just like you came up. I didn't even you, think of that concept. Me and Olin are uh, in some in simpatico this week. Mm, uh, same yes. score, same conspiracy about Hiram Katz. Love that actor's portrayal, of course. Um, oh, well, you know, he was here a moment ago, but uh, we'll, uh, we'll pass that along. Hopefully he'll listen as well. Mm. Um, so yeah, that's the end of the postman this week. All right. So what is our overall ranking? All right. We should do that. Um, our overall ranking. So from the audience, we got an overall audience score of 3.33, um, which is for the audience makes it the 44th ranked episode. Um, with uh, the four from me and the four from Dan and the two and a half from Alex, we have an overall score of 3.46, which makes it the 31st overall ranked episode. Yeah, so I think that's about where it belongs. It's above average. So this is right before, uh, right after the end, mm. uh, which is fitting, and right before the car salesman. Ooh. So in you. Right there as a 31 first ranked episode. Uh, Porno Gill actually is also tied for 29th with the end. Mm. So uh, Porno Gill, the ends, the divorce. Out of 71 salesman, that we've seen so far. Out of uh, 72, including the yes, uh, episode zero. Yes. Including episode zero. All right. Uh, so th- yeah. So really right. Yeah. Right. Middle of the road, uh, mm. which is really is really re- where you have it. Yeah. All right. Uh, next week, we go to the safe house. Larry will become an unlikely role model for battered women. Uh, Richard Lewis's relationship with a burlesque performer will be put to the test and Leon will survive a case of mistaken identity on season eight, episode two of Curb. Now, this is very reminiscent and, and I have not seen this episode in a number of years. And so I, uh, you know, I have bits and pieces in my head, but this is very reminiscent of a, of a, of a season one episode. Is it not the safe house? Yeah, it's it's it has like that feel of like Larry just like doing something with a neighbor. Yeah, it's a little bit of a throwback episode. Oh, you're saying it's like literally the plot. Yeah, I thought we had where there's like a safe house for battered women. Don't we have something like that? Or am I misremembering? I mean, there was like the group where he goes to like the, like yeah. the incest support group. We're actually uh, hoping to have a, a fun guest on for that one as well. I believe it's someone who has never been on a podcast before, as far as I know. Maybe he has. It's so it's I think, you know, a worthwhile experiment. We'll see how it goes on any podcast. Uh, I mean, maybe he has. He's certainly not someone who podcasts regularly with me of any sort. Mm. Um, but um, I think he'll uh, he's going to be really fun to have on. Yeah, and... I think I was thinking of the group, by the way. Okay. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. So, I mean, I think there's like, you know, there's a chance that this episode will be. Pretty, 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 pretty good. 
but also it might suck. <laughs> so, but we'll see. I don't know. It's going to be fun. Yeah. 